Well, organic's just a starting point. Okay. So yeah. at least you're starting there, but then you have to know your brand because there's, there's just a organic ingredients in bulk out of China, right? Can you really trust that? There's a lot of stuff out of Mexico. Now, all the people, the companies that certify organic are not the government. They're private companies like QAI and Oregon Tilth, and they follow the NOP, the National Organic Program. And those standards are set by the government. And of course, the government, as you've touched on, is lobbied by corporations. So the standards are getting less and less right. and, and bastardized, and we can't trust them as much. So there's new certifications coming out. Um, what we're doing currently is looking for as much biodynamic and regenerative agriculture that we can find. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul is talking with holistic nutritionist and Olympian Chris Buchanan. Chris is a member of the CIF Hall of Fame and was part of the USA field hockey team that competed in the 1996 Olympics. But high-intensity exercise plus processed food plus sugar created a dangerous combination for her immune system and she experienced a severe wake-up call in 2007 when she was diagnosed with celiac disease and Hashimoto's. Going back to school to study holistic nutrition, Chris is now the founder of Good Onya, an organic restaurant in Encinitas, California, and the creator of Good Onya Hydrate, electrolyte and mineral drink mix. Have you ever wondered what Olympic athletes are taught to eat by the nutritionists that educate them for Olympic committees? And what the cost of educating athletes that way is? Or why we allow big corporations selling junk food like Coke and McDonald's to sponsor the Olympics? What you are about to learn may both surprise you and help you realize the kind of corporate manipulation that makes it into the Olympics and our governments and points to many of the problems the pandemic is bringing light to today. I think you'll find it fascinating to learn how former Olympic athlete Chris Buchanan went from being super fit to super sick. This put her on the path of seeking the truth of her health and in a desperate need to heal, which included becoming a holistic nutritionist. Ultimately, through realizing how dysfunctional our farming and food processing systems had become and how much disease results from poor quality foods and drinks, she was inspired to start several whole food restaurants offering only the best possible organic and free-range ingredients. Good Anya, Chris's restaurant chain, is now famous and very busy in San Diego County, feeding athletes, mothers, children, and the general public excellent food because of what Chris learned in her often tumultuous journey to health. In this episode, Chris and I get into her journey and share dialogue on the challenges we all face with food, drinks, and corporate manipulation of the truth, such as food labeling, the dangerous toxic ingredients in most sports hydration drinks on the market, and what her solution to the problem is, and what you can learn to do too, why she started Good Anya, her chain of whole food restaurants, how perpetual manipulation and lies by big food, pharma, medicine, and government agencies is linked with the pandemic we're all in, and why eating organic whole foods is actually cheaper than eating commercially grown and processed foods. I think you'll really enjoy learning from Chris Buchanan's journey, and it could save your life. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, I have an exciting guest, Chris Buchanan. She's a past Olympic athlete. She's the founder of Good On Your Restaurants. She's got quite a comprehensive background in the study of holistic nutrition, and she was recommended to me by Autumn Smith, the founder of Paleo Valley, somebody I love and respect. 
And when Autumn told me about Chris, I said, well, let's get her on the show. So Chris, welcome to Living 4D. Thank you, Paul. I love Autumn and uh, you too. So this is a real honor. Thank you. Are you familiar with my work at all? Other than you said you listened to some podcasts? Eat, move, and be healthy. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's been around for a while. That one, it's still still relevant. (laughs) It really is. It's not outdated. (laughs) People always ask me. Think, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I say people always ask me, "Isn't your book a bit outdated? Have you updated it?" I say, "No, there's nothing in that book that's outdated. It's based on the principles of human living, and human beings haven't changed much in the last twenty, fifty thousand years. So it'll be right. It'll be rele- uh, re- relevant for quite a while." Yeah, yeah. It was actually a big um, influence on me. There was a few key key people and things that kind of guided me. And that was one of them. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I was really surprised when I interviewed Autumn and she told me how, uh, my, um, my, uh, you are what you eat audio series and how to eat, move and be healthy is what really created her shift towards creating paleo Valley, which just about knocked me out of my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, you know, sometimes, um, you realize what an impact you have. And same with, you know, I, I found you through Sean Croxton. Oh, is that right? And wow. I started at the beginning with his underground wellness, just podcasting every day and kind of learned, you know, read all the books he recommended and it's how I found you. And he really shaped my journey. He probably doesn't know as much as uh, he doesn't know that probably I have told him, but yeah, I love Sean. He's, he's a great guy. I'd love it if you can give us an overview of your life path, your education and development as an athlete, and the key challenges you faced that led you to studying nutrition and creating good Anya and the products that you've created. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, maybe a little bit of a similar story, you know. Um, I was a typical athlete. I mean, maybe I was a little bit better than a typical athlete, I guess. I guess yeah, you were, you were an Olympic athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I full ride to college and then went to the Olympics. Um and I did that growing up, you know, I was born in the 1970s. So the dawn of sort of processed food and candy, and we were, we were literally professional candy eaters. We just figured out ways to make money, little entrepreneurs, so we could buy candy. And it was just what we did. <laughs> and I think that sugar addiction stayed with me my whole life, um, all the way through college, you know, just all the junky bars that I ate and Coca-Cola's the largest Olympic sponsor in the world. So then they were giving us Powerade and 40 grams of sugar in a 20 ounce bottle. So, you know, I went through this whole time being, you know, seven, 10% body fat and an elite athlete. So I didn't really think there was anything wrong with what I was doing. Um, maybe I wouldn't have come in fifth, <laughs> maybe the four, <laughs> the four final fours that we went to in college, maybe I would have won one <laughs> second, third, fourth, and second. Um, so, you know, we, we were, we were very good, but when I retired from sports, uh, I opened my own business and so it's another set of stress on the body. Yeah. And I went from, you know, one restaurant to five pretty quickly. Wow. Um, yeah. And they were office park locations. So it was kind of brilliant, you know, Monday through Friday, closed on nights and the weekends. Um, but I started that when I was 30. So we turned good on you turns 19 this year. And about four in four years into it, uh, my health just came crashing down. Um, mm. Full blown autoimmunity with Hashimoto's. I didn't know it then, but celiac, um, 
hypoglycemia was really bad. I couldn't stabilize my blood sugar. Uh, thanks to Sean, actually, Croxton, uh, he was talking about Cyrex Labs. Mm -hmm. So I got my um, testing done, the autoimmune panel. My pancreas was under attack as well as my thyroid. Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, look, if you don't change things, you're going to be type 1 diabetic in yes. the next few years. So that was a, you know, I had tried to go gluten-free and, you know, whatever. But that was a real wake-up call for me. Um, I don't even know ever, if I told Sean that. You know, he probably saved my life, really. So mm. getting into getting into seeing a naturopath was another lucky twist, you know, versus going to a conventional doctor. You know, I live in Encinitas, and so mm -hmm. a lot of my friends are nutritionists and naturopaths. So I, I went down that path and realized that here I am, a restaurant owner, and I don't really know that much about food. So mm. I went back to school got my holistic nutrition certificate and started podcasting and reading every book that I could come across. And I just started educating myself um, for myself, which I think is kind of a common path when people get sick and then they're like, okay, how do I fix this versus maybe preventing it in the first place? So for me, that's what did it. And I felt a little bit um, or a lot actually responsible to my customers you know, unlike a lot of brands that launch products, they never really see their customers. But owning these restaurants and office parks, these people would come down into our into our little lobby restaurant like four or five times a day. We knew them by name. And I had watched a documentary called Sweet Misery. I've seen it. And it was yeah, it's uh, on artificial sweeteners. And we kind of always made fun of this guy, Bob. He came in every morning and he bought a Diet Coke. And we thought it was so funny. Like, hey, you're supposed to be drinking coffee. What are you doing drinking soda? He's like, no, no, this is my caffeine. So we take his $2 every morning, you know, and then he'd come down for lunch. And he was just a really cool office dude that we knew. And then I see this movie and the next morning he comes in and he sets his Diet Coke down on the counter. And I'm like, man, Bob, you know, you really shouldn't be drinking that. I, I wanted to tell him that I had this moment. I was like, what am I doing selling it? You know, right. I have a Coca-Cola tattoo on my ankle. Um, I was enamored with them as a young athlete. I thought they were so cool, you know, giving all this money to sports. Um, yeah. So I, I sold them in my restaurant, you know, back, this was you know, 15 years ago before the organic movement really started. And we just tried to buy name brand quality stuff, big brands. We always were local and fresh at good on you, but you know, those words don't really mean much. Um, when you start diving into ingredients, yeah, they don't. Uh, they're what's called by literary theorists empty signifiers. So the word natural, you know, hemlock's natural, it'll kill you. Arsenic's natural, it can kill you. Um, so an empty signifier is a word or a series of words used by food manufacturers to create the illusion of something good, but doesn't really have any objective contents to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get fooled by the marketing on the front of packages. And a big moment for me was when I went to the Natural Products Expo. We decided to launch a little protein bar through our restaurant, the Good Onya Bar. And um, we, you know, we thought we were really cool. We got this little thing together in a package and we went to the expo and we didn't, we couldn't afford to have a booth. So we were just walking around and I would go look at uh, all the ingredients of these products and you know, it might be three or four good ones. And then you get to the end and there'd be sucralose or something. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't really find any that were legit in my opinion. And this was after, you know, I had started studying stuff and I was really disillusioned by this whole 
industry. And I was like, how can you call this a natural products expo when you allow our artificial sweeteners into products that are here? And we, we were talking about this literally in a bar, right. And trying to think of a tagline for our new product line. And we sat there and we, we said, you know, it's like they have three or four ingredients and then ah, they just ruin it with the last one or something. And well, you know, every ingredient in the package should matter. And we're like, yeah, I mean, every ingredient matters. And so that became our thing. Oh, I was going to say, there's your tagline. <laughs> and we trademarked it. And like matters has become, you know, this whole, this whole thing from Black Lives Matter. And Verizon did like better matters, Mazda driving matters. So we kind of let it go over the years because um, it kind of just turned into, I don't know. We had you matter for, trademark for a while. Basically, it was just like every ingredient, don't all the way down to the salt. Don't give me sodium chloride, you know, give me Celtic sea salt, give me Himalayan salt. Mm-hmm. And we just, that's just how we started. And we started looking at the back of our olive oil and it was blended with canola oil. And uh, we're like, what's canola oil, right? So poison. We just poison, right? We just started looking and looking at every single ingredient. And I'm just really not that smart. I mean, I majored in field hockey. I'll be honest. I mean, I had to bank on common sense. I started, Michael Pollan was a big influence for me and just real food grown in traditional ways, processed and cooked in traditional ways. And so I just started really trying to find the most normal traditional foods that I could find. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, so that, that, that's, uh, I mean, I think if, if people did that in general, um, mm-hmm. one, what they would be a lot healthier. Their kids would be a lot healthier Two, They'd spend a lot less money on doctor's visits and medical drugs, but more importantly, and, and, and this is, you know, sort of a Paul check view on this. We don't have a, a government anymore. We have a corporate headquarters. And so I tell people, it doesn't matter who the hell you're voting for, because it's just choosing between uh, one devil and the next devil. And they're all bought and paid for. Point being is your only real vote is what you spend your money on. So when you start looking at how much money is being spent on food, sugar, all the things that are really causing diseases for people, if you're buying properly grown organic food or putting money in the hands of people that are caring for the food, caring for the animals, caring for the soil, then you're actually putting money back into the planet, which is a, a sustainable use. And to me, that's effective voting. And so, uh, you know, I think one of the things I was going to talk to you later on down below in our series of questions was organic certification because they've destroyed all that. But when you look, for example, I, I, e- I was going to email this to you this morning and I just got in a rush and forgot, but I emailed it to Autumn I've got a chart by a uh, agricultural professor who teaches in a university and he came across some of my material and thought, said, I I think you might want to see this chart. And he researched who the uh, corporations are that are actually the ones owning about, I think 95 or 96 of the organic certifications. And I was about fell out of my chair when I saw this thing, it had Coca-Cola, Mars bar, Snickers bar, Pepsi, Cadbury, um, you know, all the absolute crap processors. And what they do is they create these fake organic certifications. And many of them are also invested in commercial uh, farming operations. Then they fund university researchers to do research 
on their organic food and their commercial food to compare them as though they're completely different sources of food. And they use that to create so-called research to tell people there's no difference between organic and commercial food so that they don't have to do the due diligence of farming organically and they wipe out the whole organic movement. And I've had many people in my classes say, well, how come I keep seeing research and commercials saying there's no difference between organic and commercially farmed food? So I, I tell them. And, and, and so these kinds of concepts that you're talking about, uh, about being deceived by the packaging, about being deceived by organic certifications, is a real problem that goes hand in hand with the corruption of our political system and our medical system our healthcare system. Um, so I'll ask you the question I was going to ask you below. Now, when you're choosing the ingredients for bars and for your restaurants, for your food, how are you, what, what are you doing to um, basically evaluate the quality of the food? So you're not just getting something that may be organic, but isn't. Yeah, it's, it is really important. You know, there's, they do also fund, these fake research articles and Facebook posts and fake news type of stuff, you know, showing that organic doesn't matter to try to get people not to buy it. Where to me, I tell people organic's just a starting point. Okay. So yeah. at least you're starting there, but then you have to know your brand because there's, there's just a organic ingredients in bulk out of China, right? Can you really trust that? There's a lot of stuff out of Mexico. Now, all the, People, the companies that certify organic are not the government. They're private companies like QAI and Oregon Tilth, and they follow the NOP, the National Organic Program. And those standards are set by the government. And of course, the government, as you've touched on, is lobbied by corporations. So the standards are getting less and less right. and, and bastardized, and we can't trust them as much. So there's new certifications coming out. Um, what we're doing currently is looking for as much biodynamic and regenerative agriculture that we can find. Uh, currently, we're trying to work with um, a farm in Marietta called Pasture Bird. So we get all our chicken from them. They're a regenerative farm. To me, it's the gold standard that you could possibly get, local regenerative family farm. Yeah. We know the owners. They eat at our restaurant. So there's a knowledge there. Um, can we do that with everything? No. We're trying to get them to uh, do eggs for us. We use um, just our little restaurant. We have one restaurant now in Encinitas, 30 dozen eggs a day. Wow. Um, that's a lot right? of eggs. I mean, what is Denny's using, right? You got to figure oh my na God. Na nationwide. So the he and he can't grow that many eggs for us yet. So he's working on it. Mm -hmm. um, so these, there's definitely steps. But what we try to know mostly are the people behind the brands. Yes. Um, because when I know the people yes. and I know I, and I trust them, like I have spoken to Autumn and her husband, Chaz, and I know the depths that they've gone into to figure out the casing that's not wrapped in canola oil and it's fermented versus what other companies do with their product. That's those are the kind of questions that I ask. To me, the certification is uh, not enough. No, it's just my it's just my starting point. And it isn't even always about that. We have let some small producers in, if but I will ask them to show me their invoices. So I want to know if you can't afford to be certified. I want to know that every ingredient you're claiming is organic on your package. I want to see invoices that say that say as much. Mm -hmm. um, so we just go that little extra mile because I eat. I can't cook. I eat there every day. 
I don't like cooking. That's why I opened a restaurant. <laughs> Smart. So <laughs> I don't I like cooking either. Sure. So I I have two wives. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't do it. I have two dishwashers uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what we do. We try. We're not we're not perfect, but I don't know that anyone's going to that depth because chefs are they're more concerned with flavor profiles and things like that and margins where I'm more concerned with the absolute best that I can possibly get. Yeah. Um, and then I just mark it up a normal restaurant margin and I'm lucky that I'm in Encinitas and people care about that. It doesn't work everywhere. No. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't. And bad, but hi everyone. I suspect Chris Buchanan's story of how she used organic food as medicine and all the real issues we're discussing regarding our food supply today is inspiring you to eat more organic foods. As we discuss, when you do the math with awareness of all the relevant factors included, such as satiation, less toxicity coming into your body, better health and less medical expenses, and the healing effects of investing in organic farming and supporting organic farmers, it's actually cheaper to eat organic. I've personally seen research showing that if your diet contains as little as 25% organic foods, it can have very beneficial healing effects. If you'd like to add real certified organic nutrition to your diet that is easy to use, fast, and nutritious, there's no better place to start than with Organifi. Organifi offers a wide variety of excellent, good-tasting, easy-to-prepare superfoods, protein powders, and drinks that my family, friends, and clients use regularly and love. You can taste and feel the nutrition right away, and I know you're going to love Organifi's great products. Go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and at checkout, use the code, all caps, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20, to get your 20% discount on any purchase. To get to know Drew Canoli, the founder of Organifi, listen to my podcast with Drew, number 64, Drew Canoli, UBU. I think you're going to love this guy as much as I do. Enjoy Organifi. I'll, I'll give you an example of it not working everywhere. Um... I was, I've been a consultant to many, many professional sports teams. I don't know if I should mention the name of this team or not. I'll just be safe because uh, I don't want to cause repercussions. But uh, one of the top basketball teams, a buddy of mine has uh, spent uh, 12 years as a trainer for them. And he's brought me in to consult for them with athletes having health problems and injuries that nobody can figure out. And when I was there, the first time I watched what they were eating and it was just crap. I mean, you know, piles of cheap pancakes and pouring Aunt Jemima's syrup. I mean, like these guys are just mainlining sugar on top of sugar and lots of gluten. And uh, almost everybody in there had core control problems. You could see their guts were all distended. Their muscle definition was lost due to all the inflammation in their intestinal tract, small intestine, uh, you know, abdominal walls not functioning. And so I was seeing there was a lot of problems with shoulders and knees, which are common results of core control issues. So I, I don't remember if it was the general manager, but uh, I, I spoke to my buddy that is the trainer at the time. And then he brought one of the other higher ups in. And I actually was successful in getting them to switch over not only to certified organic food, but hiring a chef that 
could use my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, as a guideline. And they did that. And wow. that went on for about, I think, maybe a year and a half. But the athletes complained that they hated the food and they threw temper tantrums if they couldn't get their garbage foods, their Count Chocula, their, you know, sugar cereals, pile. They wanted everything back to the poison that they were raised on, even though it was enhancing their health and performance and decreasing injuries. They had such a strong psychological addiction to those products and to yeah. all that sugar. Yeah that ultimately they had to shut the whole program down, which was really sad for me. And, uh, it, you know, it, later we can get into it. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but these are real issues because it, it, another example is Penny and I were flying home. I was lecturing, I don't know, somewhere in, in Scandinavia or somewhere. And one of our flights got delayed and we were landing at like some crazy ass time in Denver. And, and uh, because of the delays, it was very late at night and none of the places to eat in the airport were open. And there was two these two kids that were maybe in their 20s that had just flown home from some long trip to China or whatever. And they were starving to death. And we were sitting in the bus and I, Penny and I always carry our own food with us everywhere we go. And we were eating and they were like looking at us like they wanted to jump us and eat our food. <laughs> And I, I had a, a, a bag with like three or four organic carrots and some celery sticks. I, so I said, here, would you guys like some celery sticks and some carrots to hold you over? Because it was like two o'clock in the morning. And they go, oh, no, no, we, we, we wouldn't eat that stuff. We're going we're, we're gonna to find a jack in the box. I said, you realize this is certified yeah. organic food and you don't have to starve to death. This is clean, <laughs> real food. Oh, no, we don't like that kind of food. So we got there yeah, and of vegetables. course, yeah, the, 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 the place they wanted to eat at was closed and they still didn't want the food. You know, I'm like, it's, it's, we've actually raised an entire culture that's been brainwashed and had their senses conditioned to the point yeah. that they actually <clears throat> find good food repelling, but don't realize that's why so many of them on psychotropic drugs and chronic gut problems, you know, all the kinds of things that trapped you. Yeah. People ask me all the time, you know, Hey, you're an Olympian. Why don't you market towards athletes? And I'm like, because they haven't made the health switch yet. Yeah. And every high school, every college, every stadium sports team is either a Coke or a Pepsi team. Yeah. Uh, so you can't, you can't get in and we don't have the money to be able to, you know, beat Coke or Pepsi. Um, but we did, we took our bars once down on the chargers. The chargers facility was right by one of my restaurants in Kearney Mesa for years and their management ordered lunch almost every day. And we loved it. Right. We, we'd see the, the, what was the guy's name? Not Santos, but you know, I'm the, the oh. old owner of the char chargers. Oh, I, I don't recall. I don't really, I've worked in we'd professional. Yeah. I worked in yeah, professional sports so much that I find that it's just like a, a shit show of, of spoiled children. So I kind of, yeah. I know too much about the insides of it. Yeah. So they, well, they would, we loved it. Right. Cause they were buying a bunch of big sandwiches, extra Turkey, you know, they get chips, they get drinks, they get all the stuff, the whole package and their assistant would come up every day. The players weren't eating it, but the coaches were, and this was, <laughs> you know, this was a lot of food and it was good business for us. They, you know, they ended up moving obviously, 
but they invited us down to like player day at their training facility once. And so we brought our little bars down there and we were, you know, we were so excited. We're like, Oh man, these pro athletes are going to see our stuff and it's going to be so great. And they're going to stop eating, you know, like all the junky bars and they'd come up to our booth and they're holding a big gulp, you know, literally big gulps. And it just hit me then as like, you know, I was that athlete. So I get their mentality. They're not there yet because they're 20, 25. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, they're crushing it. They think they are. Yes. You know, well, they, they, think are. They, are. they are crushing it in two ways. They're making yeah. a lot of money, but they're making a lot of pain for themselves in the future. They just don't realize it yet. Yeah. They don't know it yet. I didn't know it. And it's worse now than it was when I was that age, you know? I mean, GMOs weren't in our food until 96 and that's when, you know, so I'd already been competing, you know, since what, 85 or something without them. Uh, But then they entered our food system and just as another layer of toxins in our body. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we don't, we don't talk to those, that core group of athletes because they don't get it yet. So. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting situation and uh i don't i honestly don't think i've ever worked with an elite athlete that didn't have serious imbalances in their nutrition that was directly related to the structural or physical pain that they were seeing with or even emotional issues and so it's it's always quite a journey to realize that it's a a person's not going to switch until they are motivated to usually because something's causing them pain or they're up against a wall. So it's change right. or, or die kind of mentality. And it's just uh, hard because one of the things that our culture is very confused about due to the way university nutrition programs are directed mm-hmm. is People think that food is strictly energy, and so they shop for food like they shop for gasoline. Yeah. They don't have a concept as food as medicine or food as information that the body uses to to direct, heal, regenerate its biological systems. So they really just have a shopper's mentality for food, and it's it's, it's really, uh, quite a problem. And, you know, when I, as you probably know, I wrote my book, how to eat, move and be healthy. I think we published it in 2004 and people used to think I was nuts. They really thought, you know, yeah, I food, bet. Food, I bet. food's just food, man. What are you so wound up about all this food stuff for? I say, oh, really? Then why are you laying on my treatment table right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's the concept of it being, um, so hard for people to understand that it's connected. It's like literally connected, right? It's in your body. Yeah. So the fact that you think it's not connected doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, and I'm not a doctor, right? But I just, I have to go with common sense because it it just, uh, it just blows my mind. And and you're right. We were taught food is fuel. Yeah. There were eight McDonald's inside our Olympic village in 96. Eight pop, pop up little restaurants to feed the 10,000 athletes. There was also a cafeteria and all these other places, a barber, you know, so you can spend your three weeks there at the Olympics and have a little village, but eight McDonald's and they were full of athletes and their most critical time of their, they trained their whole life for these two weeks. Yes. And then there they are eating egg McMuffins because it didn't matter. It was just calories in calories out. That's what mattered. That's what we were taught. 
That's that, that was one of the questions that you probably saw that was coming later. But since we're on it, you know, that's a real, uh, to me, that's a real, both an ethical issue and a moral issue. Uh, and I, I really have a hard time with Olympic committees selling out like that. And it also is very uh, pathological that with so many people working with Olympic athletes that have so-called degrees in nutrition, that this kind of stuff would even be allowed. And I'll tell you a couple of experiences I've had. I did a lot of work in, in Australia and New Zealand. I've worked in Olympic uh, training centers and for Olympic committees all over the world. And they opened a brand new Olympic training center in New Zealand. And it was sponsored by Nestle. And I remember the first time I, f I finished working out there because they had quite a good weightlifting gym. And I was waiting for Penny to come pick me up. So I went and sat down in the cafe and said, I'll meet you in the cafe. And on the table, they had all these pamphlets put out by Nestle. And the first thing it said, it showed a picture of an athlete scoring a goal or something on the front. You open it up and it says, tips on nutrition. And the first was like 10 tips. And the first one said, did you know sugar is an important part of a well-balanced <laughs> diet? Wow. And I, I showed this to Penny. I said, can you believe this? I said, wow. first, first of all, I've never met an, a an athlete that knows what a well-balanced diet is. I've never met I, honestly, of, of professional nutritionists, I've never met a nutritionist that could tell me what a well-balanced diet is. And if they think they can, I say, okay, that's interesting. What about the guy sitting beside you who's got completely different genes and is maybe he's Hawaiian or he's, uh, you know, an inland yeah. Aboriginal or, or uh, you know, a, a Mexican or whatever? How do you do that? And they look at me with a blank stare like, well, that doesn't really matter. So the point being is, is that yeah. all the way at the highest level, then I was working at the uh, Olympic uh, Committee in Denmark at their Olympic Training Center. And two things shocked me. One, they had vending machines all over the place with cigarettes in them. And they had um, oh, wow. chocolate and soda pop and piles of crap. And I'm like, how, how, why have you guys even got this stuff in here? And the answer was, oh, but the athletes love it. I said, you don't, don't you realize that you're supposed to be upholding the standards that we want athletes to achieve? And don't you realize that that ultimately costs them longevity and can decrease their performance? And I, you know, I went on and they said, oh, you know, but the, the funny thing is, is that after me raising a lot of shit, because uh, a lot of the people there knew who I was, that the, I think a year later I came back and they'd removed the cigarettes and they'd removed a couple of the soda pop items. But one of the things that floored me was is that uh, I had several of their coaches in my classes and they all kept asking, well, what do you think about this concept of athletes drinking chocolate milk as a post-workout oh, recovery fuel? And I'm like, where on earth did you get that idea? And, and apparently some nutritionists had come there and convinced them that that was what they were supposed to do. So they had all sorts of athletes drinking chocolate milk everywhere. And I'm not talking about even real chocolate milk. I'm talking about pasteurized, yeah. commercial, poisonous, sugary shit. Hershey's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were, and some of them were like arguing with me about this. And so I had to break it right down. And my point I'm driving at is uh, 
you're an Olympic athlete. I'm like, what, what do we do to, I mean, when you see Donald Trump celebrating a McDonald's meal with America's top university football players and, and marketing that in newspapers all over, it seems like we've just reached this level of incestuous foolishness driven by finances that it's actually sort of a, a greater message that the whole damn planet's in deep trouble. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Well, I'm, I mean, we're completely on the same page. The corporate, it's a corporate takeover and it's, it's for money, right? So the Olympics in particular, they're sponsored by the corporations. No tax dollars go to any U.S. athlete. We're, not, we're, the, we're the only, one of the only countries in the world not funded by tax dollars. Mm. The only tax money that will go is if we get a, a bid and, you know, the Olympics are in Atlanta or something, then you'll get some tax help to build all the facilities. Um, so it's all corporate sponsors. And so they'll take the anyone who's willing to give them money, you know, and it goes to Home Depot and there's some Kodak and those kind of companies too. But they're just full of factory farm, genetically modified, processed junk food because of money. Well, they, the, I agree with you, but it goes deeper than that because the the coaches and the therapists and the nutritionists working for these teams are allowing it, not intervening. And so the deeper question is, what does that say about our education systems? That's exactly right. They're, they are never taught food. We, we took our bar to a registered dietitian conference put on by the American Dietitians Association. Mm -hmm. And we're like, awesome, we're going to get in with the, the dietitians. You know, this is great. And I got to tell you, some of the younger ones that had started the program uh, at the time were, oh, great, it's organic and it's all real food. It was nuts and seeds, raw honey, and Celtic sea salt. That was in our bar. That's it. And I'll never forget the lady who came up, flipped it over, didn't read the ingredients, right? Just read the nutrition panel, which is the, a big indicator if you don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, whoa, this has too many, too many grams of fat. It's going to yeah. cause heart disease. And I was like, yeah. are you really still, you really still think that? Like, I, I'm so embarrassed for you. This is a Brazil nut. <laughs> this, <laughs> and then at that dietitian's conference, literally there was Monsanto had a booth with oh, a little, wow. it was such a prop. It was a little like five foot four Hawaiian farmer talking about his papaya. I mean, it was, a, it was just embarrassing. And then Coke, Pepsi, uh, Splenda, they were all there and they had, you know, when you buy a booth at those places, like five grand, right? Oh yeah. For a little 10 by 10 and we're, we have our little tablecloth and our little things up behind our booth. These guys had, um, signs and booths that were probably a hundred grand to oh, make. Yes. And there was a whole breakdown of why artificial sweeteners were good for the body, you oh. know, with science and images and graphics that were just like, we, here we are in the back, right? With our little brazil nut bar yeah we don't stand a chance against that money so they're they're brainwashed and they're uneducated they don't understand what food is general mills paid 20 sorry paid 80 million dollars when they bought the lara bar wow 80 million dollars lara bar was doing 20 million dollars at the time and they bought them for 80 million dollars there's three ingredients in the lara bar right at the time like dates almonds cashews and she was a bar who came along like there was sort of the 
power bar, the chewy, you know, mm-hmm. part. Then Cliff came on. Everyone was so excited, all the different flavors and textures. Um, so still soy and a lot of not organic ingredients. And then Laura comes along. She was like kind of right at the right timing. She was the first one with just use real food ingredients, not organic at the time. Um, and then she, she did very well, lots of little colorful packages. And she kind of, she kind of blew up $20 million in five years. She started selling That's a lot. general mills. Why are you going to spend $80 million? You can just make the Larry bar, right? But they don't know how to make, <laughs> they can't make food. So they spend 80 million to buy the Lara bar. It just blew my mind. They don't know how to make food. They're just buying little brands and yeah. they're scooping them all up. And then they degrade the ingredients. Kellogg's right. bought Kashi, a San Diego company wow. back when they were doing some whole food, little granolas and cereals. And then they absolutely ruined the company. Now, because maybe this movement's becoming back, real food, organic stuff. Kashi has moved back to Cardiff. Oh, and wow. Yeah, they have a whole team, and they come in and eat a good Anya, and they're trying to bring back the legitimacy of the brand, and they're, they're actually um, funding some transitional farms and trying to do some cool stuff. So I thought that was, you know, I mean, they are still owned by Kellogg. Hi, everybody. I'm sure you've all heard of the benefits of bone broth, but I bet you don't know about bone broth protein powder. I found an awesome bone broth protein powder with Paleo Valley, and I asked Autumn Smith if she'd explain why hers is so good from Paleo Valley. Well, like you said, collagen is basically the fountain of youth, and most of us are not getting enough of it in our diet because maybe we don't have time to simmer bones on a regular basis. And so we created our powder to make getting the benefits of collagen for your joint health, for your gut health, for your mental health, really, really simple. And we sourced it from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished bones. So it is a beef bone broth protein powder that you can literally put in everything. It's tasteless. I add it to my son's smoothies. I put it into his desserts. You can even put it in soup and get all the benefits of collagen without all of the time and energy and investment. So all you have to do to check it out is go to our website at paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15. That's lowercase C-H-E-K-15 at checkout. And I hope your family loves it. I know you'll love it. Keep your body healthy. Keep your kids healthy. And let's make the world a better place with Paleo Valley. Enjoy. I told a, a story in one of my recent podcasts. I was talking to Leslie Manukian, which if you get a chance to listen to that interview, that's potent. Um, but I was talking to her about, have you ever read the book Beating the Food Giants by Paul A. Stitt? No. Oh, it's an old book, but it's loaded. And he, he was a, uh, he worked for Quaker Oats. He was a scientist working for Quaker Oats. And he talks about how he was in their library and he found research where they had tested lab rats, feeding them Quakers puffed oats, I believe it is. And comparing that to, uh, another normal food like standard oats, but it, the, in a nutshell, the research showed that it was essentially making the rats very sick, giving them diseases and so on and so forth. But Quaker, because Quaker was doing all sorts of research, but they had buried this and nobody had ever talked about it. And it absolutely shocked him because his job was to research food and, and make good food. And so he went and met with the director of the company at the time of Quaker Oats and 
showed him what he'd found in the library. And the, the director's response was, oh, well, if they want to keep eating the crap, we'll keep making it for them. And that yeah. was his only response. You know, so yeah, it, and they don't care. I mean, and they they do try to turn turn it on on to the public and say, well, they're buying it. That is always their kind of their line. Yeah, um, but you know, they spend a lot of money brainwashing people that those brands are okay and that you can trust them. You talk to the average person, you think you can go into a grocery store, they they're shocked at the lack of testing or anything that goes into getting a food product on the shelf. I really could. Minus being certified organic, I could almost put anything on my label and get it into a store. There's no one testing. There's been all kinds of the first step in busting a brand for lying is another brand turning them in. And it's mm. about a five year process with the FDA yeah. lying for protein grams and stuff like that. There's mm. been some brands that have, you know, got busted, like Detour Bar got busted for lying for amount of protein. So it's happened. Mm -hmm. But it's not common. The people go in, they see a food, they see a brand, they think they can trust it. I mean, organic standards aren't the greatest, but there are independent companies going in and checking um, the processes. It's just that all the processes aren't perfect. But there yeah. is, like I said, a starting point. I read that only 1% of all the foods and drugs on the market ever get evaluated by the FDA. Yeah. And they're, they, they're, de, you know, they're defunded all the time. And this, the companies that do do the studies are the companies themselves, not, not the FDA. So they yeah. fund to get, they fund it to get this stuff passed. And Stevia has a fun example, you know, it was banned by the FDA forever because Coke and Pepsi were lobbying to keep it out. Um, while in the wings, they, they were creating their own, stevia brand so the three biggest chemical well three of the biggest ones right so coke and cargill have one mm -hmm. pepsi has Truvia. i think coke and cargill is truvia and then shook stevia in the raw which you think sounds kind of cool uh, that's owned by the cumberland packaging group who makes uh sweet and low oh, so wow. those those companies were were lobbying to keep you know it's not safe it's this crazy you know south american herb we can't bring this in and then all of a sudden they're like no we're good we're good with it lifted their lobbying ban and they launched products with stevia. Um, they use chemical solvents. They don't use to extract it. They don't use organic stevia. They've patented their 69 step, you know, chemical process to how to extract. So they patented that when you can just steep it in water and then dry it. Right. With natural en enzymes. So mm. it's kind of a bummer because to me, this herb used correctly, um, is a great way to have a little sweet without all the damaging effects of sugar. Yes. But most people introduction came from those three products and it tastes horrible and it's, they use way too much and um, it's just a chemical nightmare Yeah. mixed with dextrose from GMO sugar. So there's nothing about it. That's good. Um, but if you buy organic stevia, any organic stevia by definition has to be processed with water, can't, not chemical solvents. So there's definitely some benefits to understanding what the good parts of organic are and then what's the bullshit. You know, you can still have organic junk food. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. When um, I was doing my research to write my book, how to eat, move and be healthy. And for my holistic lifestyle coaching program through the Institute, I can't remember what year it was, but I read the entire USDA organic <laughs> guidelines and it was, it took a long time to get through it. It was huge. Have you ever seen yeah. that damn thing? 
not in person, no. oh, just well, online, you know. It was, you know, it was like reading the uh, a legal document from a major corporation doing a, a, tr- a transfer of ownership or something. It was, yeah, I don't know, it probably took me about two or three months to get through it. And it Jeez. was, it was just thousands. I, I I would imagine at the time it was, I'm guessing it was a, you know, when you buy a paper in bulk and it comes in the packages, you yeah, know, the ream of paper, ream yeah. of paper. Yeah. It was as big as a ream of paper and it yeah, was just no normal person can get through that. And it was loaded with, and I'm glad I did because it was loaded with little booby traps. For example, mm-hmm. at the time you could call something certified organic if it had at least 70% organic ingredients. So it could have right. up to 30% non-organic ingredients. Yeah. I'm, I'm like looking at this. So <laughs> how much poison does it take before something's not organic? I mean, it's just like, it's such a, a, a major deception, you know, and it's just, it, it, yeah, well, we don't need to harp on that. We both know the deal, but I'm just, so one of the questions I'd like to ask you, having studied holistic nutrition, are you a mother? Um, no, just my 40 kids in the restaurant. Okay, good. <laughs> they took away all my maternal instinct when I started having employees. Yeah. Well, my, <laughs> like, my, no my students, my students, uh, not only took away, but require my paternal instinct, but great spirit has other plans, uh, sometimes. <laughs> so, um, I, I can say I'm the happy father of three. I have a 40 year old son and I have a four year old and I have a 11 month old. Wow, that's something. <laughs> I, I had a surprise at 54 and another one, uh, see, 11 months ago. <laughs> well, 11, wow. 11 months plus nine months. But um, it's it's okay. It keeps me young, you know, because like I'll be, I'll be 59 in August. So I've been at it for a while. I've been doing this work for 36 years. So I've had a lot of time to watch all the silliness, you know. But I'm, my question is, is, the reason I asked if you were a mother, I, I'm – I'm curious, you know, as someone who's spent this much time looking into this, knows all the things you're talking about, what do you think the impact is on humanity and the children of the world? Where, where do you think this, if you look in the crystal ball and say, okay, what are we going to get three years from now, five years from now, and 10 years from now, wh- wh- where's the end game on all this from your perspective? I mean, I feel like what you said earlier, the only way out of it is for the public to become educated themselves, all right? Because they're saying now kids born today won't outlive their parents. It's the first time in human evolution. So this means we've we've hit a point right now we're going backwards. Like that one statement is so staggering. It is. I never Um, heard that before. It's pretty crazy, right? And you've heard like half the population will have diabetes. You know, there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish in 20 years. We've really kind of, I think, hit the bottom. I yeah. don't really think food could get any worse than it is. No. The only way out of this is education. And so I feel without it, it's just going to continue to be disease, depression, all the stuff that happens in our gut that's leading to all this, you know, pandemic of depression and anxiety. Um, and the moms, uh, from what we see, we live in a bubble in Encinitas. I mean, we're, we're really a family restaurant. You know, I didn't know if we'd be some ultra hit place when I opened this and who would really come, but who has come to support us, our moms. So I do feel like the work that we are doing and that you've been doing has got to make a difference. And then it's got to catch, it's got to catch on it. We don't really have a choice for it not to. Um, and at least there's a ton of brands and companies that, are trying to do the right thing. Right. 
It's you know, the only way out of it. Yeah, it, it's it's um it's a predicament, you know, it can be a bit devastating because if you look at one, you look at how profitable this is to the medical establishments and the drug companies, you know, they're very invested in all this and there's lots and lots and lots of evidence of that. Um, I did research for a book I wrote uh, for my students. I didn't, uh, we, we never were, got around to making it public. It's called Under the Veil of Deception, What Uncle Sam Isn't Telling You About Organic Food and Organic Farming. And um, I found uh, so much information that just boggled my mind. And one of the things I was reading research, I was reading research that was presented in the journal, The Ecologist, which is really quite a good journal. I haven't read it in a while, but they really investigate companies and they investigated several big companies like Coca-Cola. They invested companies that manufacture alcohol. They invested RJ Reynolds and cigarettes, uh, producing factories and uh, corporations and what they found was quite interesting, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this. They tracked the money. So they saw where they looked where each of the board of directors and the company itself had made its investments. And guess what they found across the board in all these companies? The companies had always invested in the disease, alcoholism, cigarette addiction, and in drugs and programs to get them off. So what they were doing is they were creating the dysfunction and then making money off the medical and the drug rehab and the antidote. So they would create a problem and sell the solution, right. create a problem. And they, they showed that right down the line that this whole game was very, very wow. well calibrated, well thought out and, and very strategically done. And it really blew the lid off a lot of this stuff. And, and I was very proud of the ecologist for publishing that. And I, even, I think I even wrote him and thanked him for that. But it shows how sick our culture is at a fundamental level with regard to, this is why I said earlier, we really got to look at the morals and ethics behind mm -hmm. what's going on with the Olympics, because it's really the tip of a much bigger iceberg that it's, extends itself into politics into banking, into medicine, yeah. into vaccination. Um, and the list is very, very long, right? So when you, when, you, when you look at this thing, then you start looking at some of the statistics. I've watched a number of documentaries, and, and Linda uh, Manukian that I just interviewed produced the documentary The Greater Good, which is an award-winning documentary on the dangers of vaccinations. And when you look at to the statistics of how much autism has been tracked to vaccinations and all the vaccinations that they're trying to force on people, the statistics show that within as little as 10 years, the percentage of the population of children that will be autistic is shockingly high. I think by 2020, they say, uh, what is it, uh, 2020, 30, they say we could have as many as 30% of the population Jeez. autistic. And that the cost of that is going to be many 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 billions of dollars a year just right. to man they, they say they're going to have to change traffic systems how people navigate how people shop wow. everything also they can make money selling some drugs yeah it, it's just it's so criminal we we put on the movie vaxxed at a local theater great and we sponsored it we got we got jimbo's we got krista from the whole journey 
I think I got Sean out there. I said, Hey, help me promote this. Let's sell some tickets. Chris to put a panel together. You know, we, we, uh, we were on the side of not vaccinating, vaccinating, getting vaccinated. Yeah. Um, But we wanted to, you know, kind of promote, like, let's have some discussion around this topic. And man, I got to tell you, people came out like, I will never eat at your restaurant again. And I can't believe you're doing this and promoting this. And I was like, Oh, Hey, first of all, I felt like going, I could give a shit if you eat at my restaurant again, right? right. I'm too old now to care yeah. about you. Like you're, but I was like, Hey, what is the problem with just learning? Yes. I'm, I don't get that. Like I don't even have kids. Okay. But I, this topic is interesting to me because yeah. of all the stuff we're talking about, corporations, the money it's, it's politics. It's fascinating. To and me. human rights and concern for life. Yeah. And I have nephews and nieces. I have friends that are having kids. So why don't we just watch it and then discuss it? Right. You know, if you, if I could do anything that would even spread out the schedule of what is it? 40 something now with all the doses that they get 42, it's, 42 by I think age two, but in some places as much as 70 different vaccinations. Um, I, I won't go into my story with what happened to me and Angie in the hospital with the kids, but we, I'll tell you this, we had to fight like hell and it was so bad that they called the social services and had me taken out of the room and investigated me for child abuse and wife abuse. And wow. we're considering taking our child away. And that was in Scripps hospital in Encinitas of all places. Yeah, and we live in this free country. You know, it's a, it's a sham. <laughs> you know, a buddy of mine. It's a sham. A buddy of mine's an Olympic athlete, Olympic weightlifter, and and medalist, and uh, uh, you know, stud athlete from Russia. But he, he he said to me, he says, "Paul, you guys in the states just think you're free. You're really <laughs> yeah. not free at all." He said, "Here we're free. You guys think we're really? not free." And you think you're free, but we know that we are more free than you because when we come to your country and see how you guys live, you're brainwashed and controlled at every move. You've got security cameras everywhere. He said, you don't have any idea how bad you guys have, how big of a trap you've fallen into. So it's really interesting to hear that from a Russian of all people. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty scary stuff. I mean, our democracy, it's like, here's your two choices. Good luck. It's like you said, we vote every day with our dollar. People don't understand the connection between corporations and politics and food and everything. And just, you just follow the money. Yeah. It's follow the money and you find it. It's, it's shocking to me how in a culture that prides itself on modernity, on invention, on being Mm -hmm. leaders, you, you know, the people that founded our country and came here were obviously really like, well, what's a good way to put it? They were pioneering, right? They had to come here in yeah. wagon trains and fight their way through the Indian territory. So there were real like go get them ass kicker people and, and about making stuff happen. But when you look at issues like vaccination, circumcision, um, how do you feed your children, uh, religion, people absolutely will not look at anything that does not conform to their viewpoint, even when they don't realize their viewpoint is not well-founded. 
And it's yeah. really an issue of, of lower levels of consciousness that aren't open-minded. And, and it's sad to me because see, I only went to, I, I only did nine grade nine to the ninth grade and I left school. I became a father and my, my observation was school is boring as hell to me. I'm all, you know, being raised on a farm. I knew how to weld, how to work on things. I could go get a job. And I did. I worked in logging camps. I just couldn't see the point of staying in school to study stuff that just bored the hell out of me. And I, you know, even as a young guy, I was already making as much money as some of the teachers were working as a mechanic or doing various jobs. I was like, why would I want to go to school all these years when these guys don't have any evidence that it's done anything for them? Right. So I, I have always been just kind of dumbfounded at how our education system is not designed to teach people how to think. It's designed to teach them what to think. And so people generally don't really learn how important it is to look at both sides of an argument and look for other ways or concepts that can be used. So we've almost got this education system that isn't educating people paradoxically. Hello, everybody. All of us at the Czech Institute are excited about releasing our new golf performance specialist online training program, and we're happy to be able to offer you a chance to pre-order the course and get a special $100 first access discount, which is available right now. I developed the Golf Performance Specialist program myself because there was no program in the world that offered a holistic, integrated approach to assessing the golf athlete and getting them balanced, healthy, and performing better. Through my career as a rehabilitation and performance specialist, I've worked with a long string of golfers that were injured and suffering performance plateaus that weren't getting results until I applied the integrated holistic approach I share in the Golf Performance Specialist program, which teaches you how to customize your programs to each individual's needs. Most of them caught in the traditional mindset of trying to adjust swing faults by modifying their stance or buying new golf clubs only spent thousands of dollars that didn't help their game. But after applying the principles and practices I teach in this program, came to fully realize that it's the golf athlete that plays the game, not the club. Not only does having this specialized training give you the skills to work with some of the most commonly injured athletes and enthusiasts, it gives you access to millions of people that have the finances to afford your expertise. Regardless if you're a physician treating sports injuries, a physical therapist, chiropractor, osteopath, massage therapist, conditioning specialist, or a player that wants to optimize performance, this course teaches you key assessments and how to address common muscle imbalance syndromes, identify and activate inhibited muscles, optimize core function, and clearly shows you how to progress the player through the essential stages of flexibility stability, strength, and power development. To pre-order your e-learning course now and receive a special $100 off first access discount, go to checkinstitute.com forward slash GPS online. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash GPS online. I know you're going to enjoy this course. It's very powerful, very holistic, and it works extremely well. Yeah, I, I think there's, and even the the new sort of, I mean, when I was a kid, we if we needed information, we had to drive downtown to San Diego and go to the library, right? Yeah. Look in the card catalog. You had to work really hard for it. Yes, me and too. nowadays, it's on, it, right? 
so I think we learned in how to, we, you know, I grew up kind of poor and got myself a scholarship and I was all about sports. It wasn't about learning for me at that time. Um, but I left home when I was 17 and you had to figure stuff out on your own. Yes. Back then we didn't have our parents kind of doing, doing those kind of things for us. No. Nowadays, my staff, you know, my younger staff and um, the younger, younger high school kid ones, I have more hope in them, but the, the 20, 30 year olds, there's some problem solving skills that they literally didn't develop in their brain. Yes. You know, they have all the information here, but they're so lazy. I'm like, why are you asking me that question? Right. What do you, what do you mean? Where's the broom? Where do you think the broom is on table seven? It's in the, it's in the back by the dishwasher where right. rooms belong. Yes. But they're so lazy. They, they, and they don't, they just don't try to figure things. I never went to a boss of a restaurant I worked at and asked them a question. I was going to figure that out on my own. I didn't want to, I don't know. I just was maybe scared of them or something. But well, <laughs> I think I you probably, know was. you know, the, the boss is supposed to be dealing with the big problems that bosses are supposed to deal with, not where the broom is. But yes, you know, as any, I think any big or decent sized business owners, you know, we, we have branches all over the world. And at times we've probably had 50 or 60 people working for us and finding people that are constructive thinkers that will work on their own that don't need to be handheld and guided has been a major challenge. Fortunately, now we have a good team, but it took us, you know, 25 years to find them. <laughs> yeah. But have you seen a decline? I mean, or am I just turning into my parents where I think all the young kids no, are crazy? No, I've I don't seen know. it clear as a bell. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely mind That's why I was saying, you know, what do you think the crystal ball is? If we keep this going, cheers, by the way, I'm going to have some vaporized herbs and, clean tobaccos and everyone's going to ask what it is. So it's grandfather's spirit sun pipe mix. There you go. All right. Wow. Yeah. That's rad. I, 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 my body hates smoking anything, but I use a, a vaporizer, which just pulls the water vapor out of the planet. It looks like smoke, but it's actually, there's no smoke in there. There's no wow. fire, but it does. You can vaporize teas and it does to you exactly what the tea would do if you drank it, but it happens in about, three seconds instead of waiting. <laughs> yeah. Plus I hate tea. I don't know why. Just the uniqueness of you. <laughs> yeah. It hurts my stomach. Okay. Doggies. That was pretty good. We went a while without a bark. Yeah. Not bad. Well, I'd love to hear some of the foundation principles you learned when studying holistic, holistic nutrition and how they ultimately helped you heal and become the basis of what you offer. So for example, in, in the Czech Institute, I teach six foundation principles, nutrition, hydration, sleep, which are the feminine, yin, breathing, thinking, and movement are the masculine, yang. So I show how these principles, nutrition, hydration, sleep, are essentially oriented toward regenerative processes, and breathing, thinking, and movement are typically, in most people, more catabolic or destructive. And if you're, because your breathing mirrors your thinking, if your thinking's too negative or too fear-based and your movement is too little or too much, you're going to be catabolic either way. So if your nutrition, hydration, and sleep aren't adequate to counterbalance that, then you're going to be a patient somewhere. So that right. I'm sort of setting the frame. What were some of the principles that were foundational to your studies and that you now think are important in your life? Well, I would say that I went to the Natural Healing Institute in Encinitas, um, and 
the first question the owner of the school asked us was, you know, what diet's the best? Hmm. So everyone's raising their hand, you know, vegan, this or that. And it was a trick question, of course, no one diet's going to be good for everybody. So that principle alone helped me realize that, and I was already studying ingredients, dogmatic diets didn't, uh, jive with me. Right. Um, so that, that principle alone and, and kind of getting, falling in with Michael Pollan and his work really guided me. Um, the school then went on to teach different philosophies. So if you were going to be a nutritional counselor and someone came in and said, I want to be a vegan or I want to be an Ayurvedic or follow whatever, it right. taught you all the different sort of diets and lifestyles. Right. Um, was it the best school? I don't know. You know, probably not. It, it taught us some a lot of individual um, vitamins and minerals, the background of what those do in the body and the, the need for them. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, figuring out how to get them out of real food became a founding principle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really it. You know, your stuff that you do is a whole nother level of thinking and consciousness and tying it all together. This was very basic holistic nutrition. Um, so I think how I've kind of developed my whole philosophy has been from, you know, people that have read the books that I've read and, and following people like you and Sean and Krista Recchio and, um, Lear Keith. And I mean, I can, you know, a thousand books that I've read. Right has just formed my individual opinions, but I don't try to say this is the way you should eat. I try to figure out how is this ingredient grown? What do they process it with, if anything? And how do they put it together? You know, like I've made my bar like Chaz at Paleo Valley figured out when they were making his beef sticks. Yes. Is that they were lubing my machine with canola oil. And I was and like, well, it's, it's organic. We're, we're an organic facility. And I was like, I don't want any part of my bar touching canola oil. No. So I had to get them to change to coconut oil. I mean, there is so much stuff that goes on in food manufacturing. It's so crazy. So I look at all of that. And to me, it's figuring out what ingredients work for your body. And I'm dogmatic about not following a dogmatic diet. It's a wrong way to think about food. It is. You know, we get yelled out every day by vegans. I've been yelled at by vegans for 20 years now. And I'm kind of over it, you know, and oh I'm like, if you want to go to a, a vegan restaurant down the street, they're down there. I'm not claiming to be vegan. Why are you in here yelling at me be, for being vegan? Go to the vegan fast food place that is full of GMOs. Yeah. It's just wrong. It's just wrong on so many levels. So I love that people can come to our restaurant and you can be a teenage girl who just went vegan. You can be a dad who wants a burger. You can be a kid who wants a pizza. You can be a wife who wants a salad. And everyone can be happy without going to some weird place and getting jackfruit tacos and stuff that people don't understand. So I want to try to create normal, approachable food with the most thought about ingredients and even the oils we cook in and all of that stuff. So that's just my my philosophy. I, I, I think that's a great foundation. Um, by chance, have you listened to my series titled The Honest Vegetarian? No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, Chris, if I mean, you, <laughs> if you want a, a thorough education on diets and the misgivings of vegetarianism and veganism and all the diets really from paleo to nose to tail eating, uh, my senior instructor, Matthew Walden, who's a naturopath and an osteopathic physician and a genius 
and I dissect this whole thing physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's a five-part series. Part one is on my podcast, and then on our social media site where we – it's kind of our, our check flicks, which we cool. launched, I think, January. Um, the other parts are in the audio section. And it's probably the most thorough expose of diet I've seen anywhere in the world. And it is thorough. So I think you'll find it okay. mind-blowing and fascinating because we get into deep into the even the metaphysics of food and the energetics nice. and, and the information in food and things like sonic geometry and, and things that most people don't even think about. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention about canola oil is one of the things that really pissed me off is when Whole Foods started – yeah. They didn't have canola oil and everything. And all of a sudden, almost like overnight, every single damn thing in that store was in canola oil. And it, because I spent, Penny and I spent most of 25 years traveling the world in airplanes, lecturing all over the world and teaching all over the world. And, you know, we, we have a branch of our business that covers the South Pacific. I've done lots and lots of work down there. Uh, we lecture all through Europe and Scandinavia. I mean, I've lectured everywhere, Russia, all over the place. So having to live out of a suitcase, you're always hunting for real food. And when Whole Foods started ruining their foods, I was just so irritated because there was nothing I could eat in there anymore. Yeah. And, and I researched uh, canola oil. And a lot of people don't know that it's actually rapeseed oil. And rapeseed mm -hmm. oil is not a food crop. It's an industrial crop. So it's not protected by food laws. Yeah. And, and it's not good for the human body whatsoever. And it's pawned off as a healthy food all over the place. It's cheap crap. Yeah. It's, it's often blended with soy and it's, it's the most, it is probably in 99% of the restaurants in the world. You can have a nice piece of fish, wild, wild fish maybe, but it's going to be, you know, pan fried and canola soy oil blends. They're not doing grass fed butter and ghee and coconut oil back there. They're just. It's, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And the fact that there's organic canola oil speaks to the problem of the, of, of the organic standards, right? It's yes. an oxymoron. There yeah, should be it, no such thing as organic canola oil. It doesn't make any sense. Right. That's like organic uh, uh, motor oil or something, you know? Yeah. It's just stupid. So that's a, if people can take those inflammatory oils out of their diet, it's one reason when you eat at restaurants, you feel so heavy and, and bloated and inflamed basically yeah. afterwards and that's what um, the the whole metabolic syndrome is really a, a chronic global inflammatory issue and then when you look at all the uh, roundup that's been put into the food system and the fact that roundup seriously disrupts the microorganism population of our gut our microbiome yeah i mean it, it you know it one of the things that astounded me do you remember when c everett coop was the Surgeon General for the United States. Mm -hmm. He got on television and he said, do you realize that, I think he said, eight or nine of the top 10 killers of Americans are all diet and lifestyle related. And that if you paid more attention to your diet and your lifestyle, that a lot of these problems would not exist. And they fired him the next day. Oh my God. What year was that about? That's amazing. I think that was, that. I think that was, uh, I think it was in the Reagan administration. Wow. But they fired so him. And then when we were having all this problem with too many young people, females getting pregnant, Janet Reno, who became the 
Surgeon General, suggested that children explore masturbation as opposed to sexual interaction with other people to minimize um, unnecessary or unwanted children or or births that were problematic. And they fired her the next day for that because the Christians got crazy about it and had her removed. So it's actually functionally, it's illegal to tell people the truth in politics. Yeah. Well, look now, have you heard one thing during COVID about keeping your immune system strong? (laughs) No, I've seen everything about how to destroy yourself. (laughs) I mean, are we going to, even flu season, they tell you to take vitamin C or something, you know, they're, they're not even talking about it once. And it's just, it's so embarrassing. I mean, what I don't know is, you know, we could say all oh, the evil corporations. These corporations are people. They well, are they humans. Are. They're sitting around making these decisions. And are they, how can they do it? I just don't understand at a fundamental level how they can sleep at night. You know, when, when I watched that movie, Sweet Misery, it was like the Matrix, right? You want the red pill or you want the blue pill? Because yeah. as soon as you know, you have to make a decision. You, you can't unknow it. Right. So my family or, you know, my friends, I'm like, I'll tell you what I've learned, but you yes. better be ready to make a choice. Right. Because you'll know that you could never even consider no matter how starving you were going to McDonald's because it's actually not food. No, it isn't. So you, food. Would never, you would never even do it. Right. And that's inconvenient when you're going in between six soccer games. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to plan in advance and get your kids trained on eating real food and and it's not a consideration it's just not a consideration Uh, i just don't get how people just don't want to know they don't want to talk about it talk about religion food when i first learned all this stuff i was a nightmare right you couldn't go out to dinner i'm like gmo gmo you can't go out to dinner with me i mean i just was so passionate i was like what are you doing i go to my friend's cupboards i'm like no 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 (laughs) and i was too much i realized yeah i had to i had to tone it down and then i had to wait been 10 years now now they come to me and they, and now they ask for help and I, that's how i learned to do it just sort of put it out there what i know and come to me when you need it i'm happy to help i'm happy to help but i don't force it on anyone anymore no i tell all my students that there's nothing more irritating than a fanatic yeah and the example i give them is have you ever been walking down the street and had someone shouting the Bible on a megaphone and telling you you're going to burn in hell. And how does that make you feel? Do you want to hang out with that? Do you feel like your space is being infringed on? It's an infringement of your personal space. And this is what's happening with vaccination, for example. And interestingly enough, I, I, uh, a friend of mine who's very intelligent told me they saw an interview with a doctor that's a friend of Bill Gates's personal physician and confided to him that he does not vaccinate his own children. And I'm like, well, there you go. So this is all about money and control and manipulation. And, you know, the point that, that, that I think is important for the listeners to realize is that we're actually, as you said, at a tipping point And if we don't all get together and ask serious questions like, what is the future of our nation and our planet if our children are all sick before they're even working adults, Mm -hmm. before they're consciously able to contribute? What's the future if our children keep getting brainwashed into ideas programmed into their minds by corporations and they can't think for themselves? 
what's going to happen if we have an environmental disaster and there's no seeds left and there's nobody that knows how to farm? You know, when you start asking these questions, people just look at you with a blank stare and they think mm-hmm. that food's just going to magically pop up in supermarkets for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, and uh, 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 I've shared this on the podcast, but I think it's relevant here. You, you know, the sh- British famous British chef, Jamie Oliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, in one of the documentaries I saw featuring him, he made a shocking point. He said, you know, I travel all over England and all over the world doing presentations for schools and I have flashcards. And he said, I've mixed the uh, corporate symbols with common fruits, vegetables, and farm animals. And he said, 50% of children do not recognize common fruits, vegetables, and farm animals, but they, on average, get 100% of corporate symbols right. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. That, that to me, is, <laughs> I mean, that should be a national emergency. If you want to use the military for something intelligent, then they should be rehabilitating the soils and we should be rebuilding uh, education programs because the infrastructure of our our planet at this point is in serious, serious peril and everybody's only worried about their next iPhone, how cool their purse is, what kind of car they yeah. drive. And it's it's a real dangerous, dangerous thing. It is well known in natural medicine that as much as 90% of diseases human beings suffer begin in the gut and poor digestion Elimination, metabolism, and assimilation are usually reliable indicators that your body is either unable to digest what you're eating or that your body is enzyme depleted. This was certainly part of the problem for Chris Buchanan and something she had to address in her healing process. Bioptimizer's products are at the cutting edge of health science and ideal for supporting your digestion, metabolism, assimilation, and elimination. That means you get more from your food, your supplements, you heal faster, and perform better. Bioptimizer's enzymes also aid recovery from training, and their Capex enzymes also stimulate your metabolism naturally, which is very helpful if you're tired, overweight, out of shape, or toxic. Living 4D listeners save 10% on any order using the code PAUL10. That's capital P, lowercase A-U-L-10, just like you'd write PAUL, PAUL10 on checkout. Go to B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com, that's bioptimizers.com, and check out their amazing product line. If you listen to my podcast number 55, Wade Lightheart, you can meet the co-founder of Bioptimizers, learn a lot about enzymes, and much more. He's an amazing man. Enjoy Bioptimizers. One of the things I, I notice and don't take this in the wrong way is, you know, I've eaten at your restaurant a number of times. My, both of my wives love it. My kids love going there. And, and when we, how old is the Encinitas restaurant? It's a five, uh, five in a couple of days. Oh, okay. Cause when you said you'd been around for 19 years, I was going to go, wow. I, I thought maybe the Encinitas one was the original one because it still looks brand new to me. <laughs> yeah. Five years now. This, uh, I think it's, I don't know what day it is, but any day now we turn five. Okay, cool. Well, happy five. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I personally need a fair bit of fat in my diet. The one challenge I have when I go there is I can't find dishes with enough dark meat or or the kind of fats that satiate me. So usually what I have to do is order up two or three sides of uh, breakfast sausage to 
get my fat. So <laughs> it's funny that you're telling me that you're not really into the vegan thing because I, my initial impulse looking at the menu and seeing how lean it was is that maybe there's a, a sort of a vegan trend here. I'm just curious, what is your yeah. fat philosophy in that regard? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have a very simple food menu. Mm -hmm. I will say that, you know, we've been criticized for not being spicy enough or saucy enough and that kind of stuff. It, it is pretty basic, simple food. We do cook in grass fed butter that we get from Spring Hill Dairy. Oh, good. We, uh, we get their ghee. So that's, you're getting a lot of the fat in anything that's cooked. Okay. Um, we do have, um, a roasted chicken. Now you might not have had that from pasture bird. It's a half, it's a half chicken. Yeah. So you have your dark, dark meat on there, but we can't do bacon in our ovens. So we don't have the right kind of, we don't have an open flame. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer. We do have the breakfast sausage. We do have avocado on probably 80% of yeah, our menu. I did eat, um, I do eat a lot of avocado there. I, I usually get like a double or triple side of avocado. Yeah, because we I, have uh, also cashew. We make our own cashew milk, and then we take all that pulp and we make our vegan cheese for the vegans. Mm -hmm. So that's like a blend of the pulp, avocado, and olive oil. Okay, so that's a really good fatty. Um, and we've got a bunch of nuts and seeds. When I read your question, I was like, "Man, what else can we do for fats?" Well, you <laughs> but know, the dark thing meat is, is definitely a weakness. We don't have a lot of pork and dark meat. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I have uh, food intolerances to all nuts, grains, and seeds. I'm genetically mm. allergic to beef. I can't eat dairy except butter. So unfortunately, my window is pretty much what I call a caveman diet. I, I can eat fish. I can eat birds. I can't eat red meat. It causes problems for me. Um, so I kind of have to eat things like salmon or the dark meat of chicken or you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, otherwise yeah. I just feel starving no matter how full I get, you know? Yeah, we have, um, really, we started out as a breakfast and lunch sort of, um, scrambles and then salads, sandwiches, wraps. That was what good on you was forever. And when we came to Encinitas, we realized that people wanted us open for dinner and I was like, Oh, great. So now we decided to open for dinner. I was already open seven days a week, which I wasn't used to. And now we're open Six thirty in the morning till nine at night, seven days a week. Wow, like that's a lot it's, of work. It, it's hell on earth. It really is. And so then when we opened for dinner, we had to completely change the decor, the lighting, right. the music, and the menu. And we didn't really have um, the kitchen for it. Right. We have we have <laughs> re remodeled just again during COVID. We took some time because it was slower to invest in our kitchen and our ovens and hire a chef. Uh, really at our restaurant, we didn't have people I could trust to take a good piece of fish, to be honest, right. and not uh, mess it up or steak. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to add more of that kind of stuff to dinner as we as we go along. But man, we, we grew so fast. Every day was just about, it was just like a triage of trying to deal with the orders. that, And it was a good problem, right? Just yeah. coming in. And you can have two people at a table and your kitchen ticket will be two feet long with the modifiers. Right. And so people are like, why the hell does it take so long? And I'm like, well, I'm not going off on you, but it takes so long because of you. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not you or it's a guy, it's a, it's a person sitting next to you and that's who we cater to. And so when it's like no cheese, extra avocado, cooking ghee, add spinach, no yeah. turkey sub chicken. It's like, what the hell am I making? Yeah, it's and we very, allow all very that. Very specialized at that point. Yeah, and the normal dude coming and just wanted a chicken burrito is like, what the hell, you know? But 
Yeah, it's you just, know, it is what it is, and people have to wait. And it's a first world problem. I tell them if you're going to complain about waiting twenty minutes, thirty minutes for your meal on the one hundred and one for organic food, then you have bigger problems. Yes, so go Yelp about it, and I'm not even going to deal with you. You know the thing. The thing that I that I personally love about your restaurant is that I'm very very sensitive. I'm energetically sensitive. I can read energy. I can do a lot of things that most people can't do because they haven't spent years of time developing it. But the one thing I love about your restaurant is the food is very clean. I get, I don't feel burdened by anything. Everything I eat feels nutritious. I can leave there feeling like I had a food that fits my values. I don't feel like, okay, I'm having to sacrifice because there's nothing else to eat. I can go there and eat real food. And I think, I think, most people, even if it's unconscious, can feel the difference in their body when they're eating real food. And so I think their their um, instincts are attracting them to your restaurant. Yeah, I, thanks for saying that. I think over, you know, when I decided to create the menu, mm-hmm. I didn't want, you know, Chris DiRecchio to walk in. I didn't want Sean to walk in and and then ask me, what should I get? And I'd be like, well, don't get the tuna, you know, but get this. I didn't want to have to have any of those discussions. I wanted to be proud of every single thing that was on there, right? So we make yeah. our own mayonnaise with avocado oil. You know, we do so we use, you know, um American tuna. They're all single pole caught. They test for mercury, blah blah blah. So I wanted to be proud of everything because these were my friends that I learned from that lived in the community that were naturopathic doctors and nutritionists and um I wanted to be legit and to be proud of it. And I had learned, and like I said, it was the matrix. I couldn't do anything different. I didn't know if it would work. When I opened Encinitas, I still had one of, I still had my original store that opened in 2001 in Kearney Mesa. And over the years, we had brought Kearney Mesa along. And then that was just running itself. And I didn't want to do any more restaurants. Uh, The Encinitas location used to be my office for for our products. But people kept coming in going, hey, hey, when are you opening? And I'm like, no, we're not opening any more restaurants. They're a shit show. I'm tired of them. Just yeah. Get out. It's a lot office. of work. <laughs> it's too much work. You have no idea. Oh, yes, I do. Um, My but- mother was a head waitress for a long time. And I used to hear all about it. I used to. She Fortunately, she ate at what was ranked as the number one high-end restaurant in British Columbia for uh, my and my father built the restaurant and he built wow. it. He built it with no nails. He built it all with um, he carved all the beams with his chainsaw and he did all the wooden pegs. I, I forgot the name of that style, but it was wow. extremely beautiful. And my dad did all the stained glass windows himself and they brought only in all high end local, local farmed everything from locally uh, from the hunters, the venison, everything was just yeah. I mean, of course, That's this amazing. is this is when I was, you know, a kid. So, yeah, a, a restaurant like that now would be probably almost impossible to because of the the price of the food at, at a place like that. It'd probably be a hundred bucks a meal. But my point is, I know from my mother being a waitress for probably twenty years, uh, all the ins and outs and the stories and the things that drove her nuts and. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I understand. And I know what I'm like when I go to a restaurant, because when, when I go to most restaurants, I have to say, don't put that in there. Don't put that in there. Cook this, this way. Don't microwave anything that I'm going to eat. And exactly some, you know, Penny can tell you I've, I've had to get up and walk into the back, into the kitchen 
because they keep <laughs> ruining eggs or destroying the food. And I'm like, I've actually had to go in the back and show people how to cook an egg before. And they ruin coffee. That's another thing. You guys make great espresso. So congratulations on that. Fortunately. Yeah, we, (laughs) we like, we love our coffee. We, we use a local roaster. They use all female co-ops that we buy the beans from. So, you know, coffee is a huge commodity, second highest traded commodity in the world behind petroleum. So there's a lot of bad stuff that goes with coffee and even organic coffee is just monocrop sometimes yes. of coffee. So you want to have it in a diverse, you know, agriculture and small farms and where they're, you know, rotating crops and growing in the shade, not bird friendly and blah, 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 all this stuff. But it makes a big difference. Well, interestingly, research shows that during any depression, there's only three things that don't drop in sales volume. Coffee white sugar and cigarettes. Wow. Those yeah. things, those things never, no matter how poor people get, they will still buy coffee, sugar, and cigarettes. <laughs> That's their addictions right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm aware that you created your own hydrate drink. I, I looked at your website this morning. I've seen it. Um, Autumn told me about your products. Um, and I've done a lot of research into this area myself. Um, I forgot this guy's name. It's been so many years, but, um, our education director had a boyfriend and his master's thesis was on sports drinks. And I think it was done at Colorado state and he chose to investigate them because he, I think he was getting his degree in exercise science, but he for whatever reason had come to the conclusion that none of them were really very effective. So he did a, a proper master's thesis, which I have somewhere in my library comparing all the top sports drinks from Gatorade to, there was like 11 of them that he investigated. And what he did is wow. he, he had people do VO two max tests and all sorts of stuff. And he compared the performance objectively using these different drinks, but guess what he compared them against? What? Water. So each eight ounce serving of water had a level teaspoon of honey in it. And so he compared them just against water and honey and water and honey outperformed every one of them across the board. And so, uh, I, I, I found that very interesting. Um, so I, I'm wondering, what do you feel are the most important things everyone should know about hydration in general and electrolyte drinks? Because many athletes, this is another issue I want your opinion on. Many athletes use electrolyte drinks that are jacked up with all sorts of stuff, but they're doing purely anaerobic stuff like lifting weights or mm-hmm. very short-term activities. And I've seen that in the gyms, people are just piling down all sorts of Gatorade and all these sugar drinks, and they're actually convinced that they need an electrolyte drink when they're doing these short-term anaerobic activities. But most people don't need electrolyte drinks unless they're doing more endurance athletics. That's just my own opinion. I'm just curious, what have you learned about hydration and, and where's your stance on electrolyte drinks from some of these perspectives? Well, I mean, as someone who used these tools as part of their career, right? So not your average consumer. Um, we drank Gatorade and Powerade because that's what was given to us for free. Right. Most Powerade actually. It's slightly worse if you're going to do an ingredient comparison, uh, 40 grams of sugar in a 20 ounce bottle. 
petroleum-based food colorings, artificial sweeteners. It's literally almost everything wrong with our food system in one bottle, uh, GMOs. <laughs> That's it, a it, good way to sum it up. <laughs> yeah, it's so shocking. And for me, uh, they were marketed as not only healthy to us, but needed, a needed, have this in your bag. Because as soon as you're thirsty, your performance is down 50%. Don't even let yourself get thirsty. Hmm. We're like, oh, crap, 50%. We don't want to go down 50%. I mean, you know, they put the fear of God in you. So we're chugging the 32-ounce bottles all day long trying to stay hydrated. I had diarrhea for probably 12 years because oh. I was putting 200 grams of sugar into my body. Wow. And I just thought it was nerves or getting ready for the game or whatever, what have you. I didn't know any different. I was 20. So I have a really big, um, like, just passion for those sports drinks in particular, because they damage my health. They literally damage my health. I should sue them. I don't know if you can do that, but I feel really strongly about that. Not one person should ever consume a sip of that stuff. Now, I don't know if you're a dying football player in the middle of the Florida sun and you're going to die because you don't have, okay, fine. Drink a Gatorade because you're dying, but it's, it is going to cause you harm in the long run. Yeah. Um, And there's better options, right? Himalayan pink salt, without even the honey, but if you need a little honey and water is going to, is going to nourish your cells. I mean, we all are devoid of minerals and vitamins in our diet because the topsoil, as you know, is depleting. Our food is depleted. So we do not have magnesium is becoming an epidemic of, of people being depleted from magnesium. So we need to, I think, put these real food versions of electrolytes and minerals back into our diet with whole food salts. Yes. And foods that are grown organically or biodynamically that have them in them vitamins and minerals it's it's common sense mm-hmm. you tell any generic person that knows nothing about food they're going to know they need vitamins and minerals mm-hmm. they're not going to know where to get them now on the flip side we're hydrating right everyone's got whole house water filters we've got ro systems we're trying to alkaline our water we're going to the water store and it's all tap water that's been filtered right has pesticides pharmaceuticals microscopic pieces of toilet paper they find in tap water it's going through our disgusting city sewer systems fluoride chlorine it's horrible yes so and we're deplete we're chugging water all day long trying to stay hydrated and then we're depleting our minerals even further so my philosophy is find natural spring water again this is what humans evolved drinking yes um any of the good spring water companies are using um uv light they're using mesh filters all different sizes to keep the water as natural as possible. And when I made hydrate, it was the reason to do it was to get more magnesium and minerals into me in a natural in nature's ratio. Mm. I didn't, I, we, we don't put, if you see electrolyte drinks with sodium chloride, potassium chloride, individual minerals listed, right. They have been stripped out of the whole food salts, often bleached, mixed with anti-caking agents made from corn, GMO yeah, corn, corn, and then put back into your electrolyte drink in some ratio that some dude in the lab claims this is the ratio you need. And a lot of people get bloated. You get, I mean, they're just processed minerals. They're yeah. not natural anymore. A lot so of them you aren't have, even bioavailable. Absolutely not. You, like people look at our ingredients. Uh, they don't look at ingredients because most people don't, they look at the nutritional panel. They're like, Oh, you barely have any, you know, sodium or you barely have any magnesium. This one has like 500 milligrams. I'm like, does it, are you not understanding nature? You think you're getting 500 milligrams of whatever, but you're not. And it's also a toxic 
mineral that's been super processed. How can you argue with nature? This is salt that comes out of a Pakistani cave. Yeah. You know, it has purity levels that are tested and it's in nature's ratio. Right. That is the ratio you need in your body yeah. on a daily level. So we didn't formulate this and we didn't, and we don't talk even to athletes about it. We talk to normal, healthy families and humans that are trying to get a little bit more electrolytes and minerals in their diet because their water is so void of them. Right. Uh, I struggled to drink enough water my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. Why? Because I was drinking sugar and water didn't taste great to me. Right. So I was chronic, chronically dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to t- create something that also tasted really good. So we had to use organic lemon juice powder versus lemon flavoring. All those natural flavors, natural flavors, artificial flavors, very similar in their makeup. Yeah. And now there's organic flavors. This is another great example of organic processed food. Yeah. Total crap, totally processed. We take juice from a lemon that's organic, dry it, and that's where you get the lemon flavor. So it's ex- super expensive. Yeah. We can make our product for probably a third of the cost. Um, but I wouldn't do that. So we made this with all real food mm-hmm. just because that's how we roll. That's what we do. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to tell you about Symbiotica's product called Rumi. And not only is Rumi an amazing sleep product that will enhance your dreaming and your psychic recovery, but Rumi's my favorite poet. So when a great product like that is coupled with my favorite poetry, there's only one thing I can do, and that's get Sherveen to come down here and tell us all about how it works and why you should use it, because he formulated it. So Symbiotica has the master here. Go ahead and tell me, Sherveen, what's up with Rumi? Well, we wanted to call it Rumi, Paul, because it's, you know, every time I read Rumi, I go back to my ancestors. It's almost like living through a dream poetry, Mm. a, a dance, if you will. And, you know, being around athletes my entire life, being around, you know, the collective that's always asking me about health and nutrition and wellness, I've been leaning towards sleep as being one of the number one ways and probably more important than anything as far as regeneration. It is the most powerful medicine there is. But as you know, a lot of people today are not sleeping because of the stress, because of bad diet, because of medicating themselves with alcohol and chips and garbage food. So, a lot of people really need a, a high-quality, natural, healthy, wholesome, nutritious sleep product, which is why I'm so excited about Rumi. Yeah, instead of using antihistamines and pharmaceutical drugs and other ways to cope with lack of sleep, we wanted to hit it right where the Ayurvedic medicine knew where to take it. Right. And that's giving you with nourishing herbs like ashwagandha and lemon balm and passion flower. We also have cannabinoids in there and we have other minerals in there that make it such a beautiful sleep tonic and you can integrate the process with a smooth transition. Sleep for me is everything and Rumi has lived up to all of its uh, expectations and it's one of our most requested formulas right now. So there you go. Super nutrition while you sleep. It doesn't get better than that. All you've got to do is go to Symbiotica, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And on checkout, use your magical code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15. That's check 15 to get your discount, 15% on Rumi and anything else. So check out their other amazing products. I have not ever used any Symbiotica product that I didn't love and didn't work super well, or I wouldn't be telling you about it. This stuff's in my refrigerator right now, and it will be a 
great addition to yours. Enjoy. And a little warning. Oh, here comes <laughs> a, more. A little warning. It's extremely delicious. And so, you know, you might find yourself sleeping, you know, the rest of your life. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So there you go. How about that? A medicine that's extremely delicious. A dream within a dream. A dream within a dream. And all you got to do is go to symbiotica.com and use your code CHECK15 on checkout, all caps. Enjoy. You know, it's, it's really, it's great to hear what you're sharing because beyond the concept of an electrolyte drink, you know, most athletes think, oh, it's just something you do when you exercise, but hearing you talk about it, what you're doing is you're actually, you've actually find a path, found a pathway that uses the modern brainwashing and dogma about what people think they need to provide nutrients that their bodies are probably most probably lacking in. So it's really a way to deliver nutrition. That's more, excuse me, more important than the concept of a sports drink in and of itself. Yeah. I I mean, that's a really great way to put it. We've had um, elderly people uh, take this every day and they were dizzy, right? Because their blood pressure is too low. They don't drink enough water. They haven't salted their food since 1945. So they're totally void of, and they're even their doctors trying to tell them to get electrolytes in their body. Um, and so it's great for them to have an option. It's not Gatorade because that's what they were. The doctors are prescribing Gatorade. You go to cancer treatments and you're in the chemo room. They're giving you Gatorade. Can you, you imagine? Know, I mean, can you, right? It, it, it's so mind boggling. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's for me, that's exactly what it is. I do think we need, I mean, electrolytes are minerals, right? Yeah. But not minerals are electrolytes. What we need is minerals. People get so confused about what, food even is. We don't even understand it. Michael Pollan said, our understanding of food science today is like the medical profession in the, um, I think he said like in the 1800s, right? We, mm. we don't have any ideas like, oh, beta carotene, great for your eyes. He's like, well, what about the other 20 carotenes? Right. And what about the synergy of eating the whole food carrot? Right. You know, we strip it out and put it in a pill that we know what we're talking about. So mm. that was really impactful for me. So I just try to leave food in its natural form. And when you drink it, you feel good. And that's how you feel when you eat at our restaurant just because it's real food. I mean, I didn't make this stuff up. I, I'm, I told you, I'm not the smart one. I just have common sense. I got by on common sense. And to me, that's everyone's smart. so confused. What do I do? What do I do? I'm just flip the package over and read the ingredients. If you don't understand what they are, that's all you got to know. Well, the, know? Tr- the truth is, Chris, is you cannot really be smart without common sense. It's impossible. Yeah. You, you can, I don't know. <laughs> you can be so smart, you're stupid. Yeah. I mean, look, how much money do we spend on a military budget and trying to get people to the moon while we're destroying the planet's ecosystem and resources? The oceans are dying, the Great Barrier Reef's dying, and we're so worried about getting to Mars, getting to the moon, and spending trillions of dollars on nuclear weapons. I mean, most people would think that those scientists and people with all their fancy degrees are smart, but that's not smart. Yeah. There's not even a word for that. I don't know what it is. It's confused is, is really what it is. Um, you know, yeah. it's like, like Lao Tzu says in the Tao Te Ching, you, you, if you can over sharpen a knife and we all know that's true, but you can get so sharp, you're dull or brittle or fragile. And I think we've gotten so caught in the scientific materialist paradigm 
of reductionism, 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 that we've taken the life right out of the food by mm-hmm. isolating things to the point that there is no life in them anymore. And we've lost our common sense. I mean, the number one request I get as a nutritionist is, can you go to the grocery store with me? And yeah. people don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to shop. And um, I always remember, again, Michael Pollan saying, it's like, we have more food than we've ever had on the planet in the history of humanity. And, we, and we're overweight, yeah. undernourished. You know, you can buy food at the gas station. You can buy food at Staples. You can, we have access to it everywhere and we don't know how to feed ourselves. I'm curious. Um, have, a, yeah, you're right. Have you ever read the book titled Your Body's Many Cries for Water by Dr. Batman Gielich? No. Oh, it's a fantastic book. Your Body's okay. Many Cries for Water. Dr. I don't know how to spell his last name. I think he's Hindu, but it's pronounced at least I pronounce it Batman Gilage, but you'll find okay. it under your body's many cries for water. I think you can get an audio. It's a very good book. Um, but he really addresses the whole issue of hydration. But in his book, he says that only 1% dehydration of the central nervous system will cause significant psychological disorders. And, and, and I believe wow. that's factual and the book's really well, really well done. It might be a great one for your, library and there might be some good tips in there for you other than what we've discussed are there any other common misconceptions about food and hydration that you think athletes in general or people in general have well i think just the biggest lesson i would say is to stop looking at the nutritional panel and look at the ingredients yeah um the only thing i look at the the nutritional panel for now is sugar grams Um, but Mm -hmm. i can tell that anyway by you know, the list of ingredients. Um, that's, that's the best starting point that I can give people. Um, and if they don't understand what an ingredient is now, they're so lucky they can just Google it. I mean, come on, it's right there. We have the information. Yes. And if you can't make it in your kitchen, then you probably shouldn't be buying it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll have to send you my, I have a little one page document I created for my patients and clients and students. That's like, 12 key points about nutrition. Some of the things are the longer it lasts on the shelf, the worse it is for you. If you can't pronounce a word on the label, your liver won't like it. If it wasn't (laughs) here 10,000 years ago, don't eat it. Nice. Yeah. So just real basic things. And it's funny, I just did an interview with Laird Hamilton, who I've been a consultant to and therapist for, for, oh God, since about 1995. And so I asked him what his diet philosophy was. And he said, well, actually, it's some real simple things that you taught me. And he was actually just stating all the stuff that was on my one page document. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, great. Yeah, it's cool because he has his own company now, Laird Superfoods, and very similar concept as what you're yeah. doing. But right back to the basics, you know, I'm, um, you know, if you know Autumn, then I'm sure you're hip to all this stuff, but you know, we're, we're in a pretty serious situation on the planet with almost no topsoil left. Uh, some estimates say we've got about 50, 60, 50 to 60 years before we're completely out of topsoil. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have any on what we need to do to what we need to do collectively to regenerate and protect, protect our topsoils. I guess we need to really start finding farmers that are doing this regenerative agriculture. You know, this, this is the way back. And if we stop buying conventional food, they'll stop doing it. That's my we have approach. Actually, 
we have all the power. We yeah. do. I tell we people that all, all the time. It's true. Um, we just have to make those hard decisions and we have to, you know, switch priorities in our life. I, when people are like, Oh, it's too expensive or this or that, that it's true for a certain segment of our population. It's literally out of reach, but there's the majority of people that are in the middle class. They're just not prioritizing it well. Um, and they can, Yeah. and they, and it can actually be, you know, you buy a whole chicken from a local farm and then you make a few meals out of that and you make broth. That's actually way more economical it is. than buying cut up chicken breasts. And so there are ways when you do real food, organic, real food, whole foods versus conventional um, packaged foods, it's going to be cheaper. It's mm. going to be cheaper. So, but it takes time, you know, and it's, it is a real issue. People are working all this 12 hours a day, you know, and running around and kids are going to like 50 different games. And it's, it's a tough one. Um, that's but one I of, think, that's sorry. That's one of the reasons I love Paleo Valley's products. Yeah, exactly. They're the best to just have in your pocket. And yeah, you can take a beef stick or a turkey stick and you got something. I tell, I've been telling people for as long as I've been around, look, if you expect to get real food in airplanes and airports, you're a fool. If you think you're going to feed yourself and heal yourself, if you're paying me the money you're paying me and you're telling me that you don't have time to go find good food, I got news for you. All you got to do is go find some organic carrots, some celery, and get some real jerky meats. Those things mm -hmm. don't need to be refrigerated. I've carried carrots all the way to Australia, been in airports and our airplanes 24, 25 hours, and those carrots are fine, those celery sticks are fine, and the jerky's fine. You've got to yeah. carry real food with you, and you will feel a lot better. You'll look a lot better. You'll get rid of skin problems, digestive problems, eliminative problems. And it's damn simple. It, at the end of the day, you're far better off eating some, some raw vegetables and some jerky than almost anything you can get anywhere. So it's lovely to see companies like Paleo Valley and Organifi. I love their products as well. They're simple, easy to use, nutritious. Now, of course, they're not going to be cheap, but it costs a lot of money to get real food from real farmers. And, and I tell people that's money going back into the soil. But there's lots of research showing feeding studies showing not only animals, but human beings eat on average 30% less food if it's organically raised than commercially totally. food because the, the nutrients bring us to satiation yeah. sooner. Right. Yeah, and if, that's a... That's a really good point. You know, we used to uh, do little street fairs with our bars and stuff, and people come up and be like, oh, $3 for a bar. I'm like, Jesus, you're complaining about $3? I'm like, I can get a Cliff Bar for $1.19. I'm like, yeah, but how many do you have to eat to feel full? Right. He's like, oh, yeah, usually, I usually have like three on my ride. I'm like, right. So now you're already spending more than ours, and I guarantee you can eat this bar and you're going to feel full. Right. People eat half of it and feel full. And not only just the high quality fats, but the nutrients, our bodies are starving of nutrients and that tricks your brain into just keep keeping wanting to eat more. Yeah. And then you're actually spending more money on food. That's, that's ruining the environment and ruining your health. So it's, it's cheaper to eat organic real food in the end. Totally and, cheaper. And it's, it's actually contributing to the rehabilitation of the planet. Mm -hmm. and, and people I, look now for the biodynamic, certification which is the, um which instead is of good instead of the organic it's rare but mm -hmm. if they can find the biodynamic seal on anything i think it's really important to to support those companies like all of the wine we have at good on you minus like two brands 
um, is biodynamic. The other ones are organic. There's a guy in Spain who's been part of the organic movement there since 94. So we carry his wine, but everything else is biodynamic. And we are supporting those farmers that are literally growing and picking grapes on the moon cycle. Yes. And that, it, you know, it really does make you feel good to be able to have a glass and not have all those just toxic feelings that you get from, you know, mass produced red wine. Yes. So hopefully pasture bird chicken, another company, right? They're local and they're in San Diego. So find them and support them. Um, go out to their farm. You know, they're a small family farm. It's regenerating their soil out there. But you know, these are elitist kind of things right now a little bit. And it's, not attainable for everybody. And that's a social justice issue. And it's, it's really sad that people can walk into, you know, there's a, there's a, what a Walgreens within a five mile radius of like 95% of the U S population. So these corporations like that made some, we, we made a presentation to them. I'm like, if you put our drink, we used to make hydrate in a bottle. If you put our drink in here over Gatorade, can you imagine the effect that you will have on the amount of people that are going in there and buying Gatorade versus this. Yeah. Like you could literally save the world with small little decisions, but you know, we didn't make it, <laughs> we didn't make it in. They didn't really care about that. Well, yeah, of course, money is the root of all evil as the old saying goes, you know, it's uh there's another issue here that I want to share. I know you're hip to this, but I want to share it for the listeners. Look, I've been doing this work, as I said, for 36 years, I've worked with, too many people to count thousands of people and people don't come pay the money I charge unless they're in trouble. And I've also done also, you know, I have people in my classes. I have people all over the world buying my courses. I'm a consultant for doctors and therapists and organizations all over the world. And I've had many, many, many people tell me they could not afford to buy organic food. And so I said, okay, let's have a look at what you're spending your money on. And in every single case, I find people that say they can't buy organic food, but they're buying three cups of coffee at Starbucks a day. They're spending money on on, um, uh, subscriptions to Netflix and pornography channels. And and so my point is, I I personally feel probably, I would guess at least 50% of the people that say they cannot afford to eat the way we're talking about, actually, it's really an issue of values. Mm-hmm. It's where are you spending your money and what is or isn't adding life to your life. Most people are just conditioned to medicate themselves with things that they've incorporated into their lifestyle, but really aren't part of the disease that they're suffering from. So I think if people really got honest about it um, and s- said, okay, where is my money really going? And which Mm -hmm. of those things are adding to my health problems or my mental emotional problems and which of those things are, are, are monies I could divert into food. I think a huge amount of people that think they can't afford organic food really actually could. Yeah. I think that you hit it on the beginning is that we never were taught to value food. You know, we, we, we did, we, we weren't taught about food at all through school. We just, it's not part of our education. So yeah. What What are you going to do when you're in college? You're going to go buy pop tarts and you're going to buy things that are easy to cook because you don't you didn't learn this kind of stuff from your parents, right? Especially us that grew up in this generation. It was about you know we took tortillas with margarine and stuck them in the microwave and we made little little snacks for ourselves because our mom was at work. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's 
we just grew up in this processed food age and it's all coming to a head now. Yeah. Um, I, I was fortunate because, you know, my parents are farmers and yeah. health food nuts and always have been and almost everything we ate came right off the farm. So um, that's incredible. It is. And, you know, one of the things I observed young all the way back in junior high school and, uh, you know, in my days in sports is that I lived out in the country on Vancouver Island and every, all the guys that I went to school with, most of them, I would say probably, especially the guys on the sporting team, I'd say probably about 70% of the guys on any of the sports teams, be it football, hockey, basketball, baseball, were all the children of farmers. And we would destroy the city teams. And I, I observed that there was, definitely something that we farm boys had that the city boys didn't have. And as I grew up and did all my nutritional studies, it dawned on me one day, we were all eating food off the farm. Yeah. It wasn't that we were training harder or better because a lot of these young athletes are very serious about their training, but they're eating craft cheese and Mm -hmm. junk all the time. But the farm boys were just more tough. They were just more durable and so, and it's interesting too, have you ever seen or read the book, um, The Living Soil and the Holly Experiment by Lady Eve Balfour? No. It was first- You're like a walking library. Well, yeah, I have a very comprehensive <laughs> library. Um, and I've been studying this stuff forever. Uh, it was first published in 1946. She's actually the woman that basically came up with the term organic. She was the founder of the concept. She's one of the pioneering founders of the British Soil Association, which, by the way, is a great resource for you if you ever want to find studies on stuff like this. Okay. British, the British Soil Association, you can become a member and get access to their library. But um, she quotes, uh, she cites in there that all the way back in the 40s, Uh, kids were having so much problem from eating what she referred to as processed food. And this is in the forties. And she uh, highlights a, um, a doctor who was the doctor for a uh, New Zealand private school. And they switched over to organic food because they saw that there's so much of the illnesses were coming from the food. They tracked it down within the school. And I guess the doctor was pretty smart. And so they decided to invest in their own farm and they started their own organic farm. And she talks about in the book how all the kids used to giggle whenever someone new would come to the school because typically the kids would get sick. Why? Because when they started eating food at school, it was organic and they were getting all these vitamins and minerals and their immune systems were turning on. So it was cleaning house. Oh, wow. And what what she... What she talked about in there, though, that was really interesting, she said that the doctor noticed in the first year that they switched to their own farmed organic food that they he had been tracking the injuries amongst the rugby players. And he said the injuries went from something like, I'm guessing because it's been years since I read the book, but like 46 injuries to only three or four injuries. And his conclusion was that ligaments and joint capsules were so much stronger when athletes ate organic food than when they ate commercial food that the same sport and the same beatings did not have nearly the damaging effect on their body. And that book was published in 1946. It's a very, very profound, deep book. 
that I think you would probably not be able to put down once you started reading it. The Living Soil and the Holly Experiment by Lady Eve Balfour. Well, what's fascinating about that is like, what were they eating? What were, what were the two different, you know, I always just imagine back in the forties, it was all good. You know, I wonder what the bad food was back then. Well, the bad food was not mon- as bad as ours now. It but. was monocropped and they were using chemicals on it. Still in the forties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And they were using chemical fertilizers. So, yeah. So you got to figure just with that, you see the difference. And then now look how much further we've gone with genetically modifying foods and then the processing aids and all that kind of stuff that they probably maybe weren't doing. Because they didn't have as much packaged food back then. No. But it was just the sheer chemical fertilizers. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, and, all, and also the processing of food versus just farm to table, you know, cook, farm, yeah. kitchen, table. Um you know, and I, when I was watching um, Jamie Oliver's show, he was showing, uh, he was doing tours through schools and almost every school he went to in the kitchen, they did not cook anything. It was all out of packages yeah. and it was microwave. There was yeah. almost no cooking involved, which just blew my mind. I'm like, wow, I had no idea it was that bad. It really uh, it made me a bit concerned. I'm like, this is yeah. bad. It was really bad. One of my first jobs was in sixth grade in the cafeteria because I got out of class early. So I got to go and I sold the milk, chocolate milk or regular milk for a dime. And I took the money and gave the kids the milk. And I thought I was so cool because I got to work and I got a free lunch if I did that. So that's how I, (laughs) that's how I got my lunch. I started working for it. I was probably 11. That's cool. At least you, you learned how to make something happen early. I noticed yeah. that, that I saw on your website that you, you've been keeping your restaurant open um, through the pandemic and all that. I'm curious just what your general take is on the on the pandemic. Do you feel it's a legitimate threat or do you feel it's a plandemic? I like that word. Yeah. I mean, you can't discount the people dying. You know, I feel like, first of all, we don't probably get the right information. I mean, how can you think we get the right information when we're hearing all these conflicting things? So I just it's tough when you just hear, when you just hear these stats, you know, and different things, I feel like our job is to keep our immune system strong. And that's all we got. The the COVID and the viruses and all the viruses that are on the planet are going to be here for, you know, the rest of the time humans are here. Yeah. So if I'm, I'm just looking at it like, okay, if I have to wear a mask, because the health department tells me to wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask, keep, Maybe I don't spit on someone and it doesn't spread, you know, fine. Um, we can't be open without wearing masks. So my staff has to wear a mask eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, you know, people coming into the restaurant without a mask and they're complaining. And I'm like, look, Jesus Christ, you're standing in line for two minutes. We walk you to the table and you take your mask down. Can you at least do that? So we don't get shut down. Why are you yelling at us? And now we're like mask police. So it's a bit of a shit show. Um, it's really frustrating to have to deal with people and all their different opinions. My opinion is just if we have to do this one thing when you're only within six feet of each other, just do it because I have a business to run. I have farmers to support. I have employees to support. Yeah. You know, I, I can have, I could have 40 employees on unemployment or I can have them working. What right. Would you, what would you prefer? And so it's frustrating on a lot of levels. Do I think that it matters? No, personally, yeah. I don't. No. We're touching the, the food with our hands. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid, Yeah. but it's, it's part of this game that I feel like we have to do to stay open. I think some restaurant in our town just got shut down a bar. You know, there was just a shit show in there of people not, you know, staying six feet. And, you know, we had 15 cases in Encinitas. Now we have 30. Now we have 70. So will they, will they roll us back? I don't know. Well, part of the problem um, is they don't even actually have a legitimate test for it. It's all manufactured. No, it, it, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Yeah. The whole thing. I really, really think the whole thing is ridiculous and it's put a lot of fear and I can't believe it's gone this far. I can't it, either. It, it's a threat to our, our, our whole national economy and world economy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Bill Gates has a, a, a patent on the coronavirus, on one of the versions of the coronavirus. And I really do think it's the it's the beginning. I don't, could it be really manufactured just so they can sell more vaccines? I Hell mean, yeah. is it that evil? It's oh, that yes. evil. Is yes, it could very well be. I've spoken to many experts. Yeah. But I, but without going into a long discussion of that, that's by the way my podcast with Leslie Manukian gets into that into the detail. So you'd probably find yeah. that fascinating. Um, I did a YouTube video which surprisingly never got taken down, uh, which I'm pretty impressed with. But it's called your COVID nineteen <laughs> protection plan. I think you'd really dig it. Cool. So you know my yeah. YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Paul Check Live. Okay. I'm on that. Yeah. It's frustrating. We've had employees quit over having to wear the mask eight hours. Um, I don't blame them, but you know, it's a lot of money down the drain when they do that. Yes. It's hard to train people. um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's takes months, especially at our restaurant. You have to be a nutritionist just to ring somebody in half the time. Yeah. Um, not to mention teach them the common sense of how to work in a restaurant, you know? (laughs) So there's, there's a lot. But it's a it's a frustrating time. Um, but I just keep telling my staff, fear is going to just make your immune system weaker. Yeah. So we we are doing a good thing. We're selling healthy food. Yeah. So we, I've got colloidal silver in there for them. We drink mm-hmm. hot teas. I try to keep their, just tell them to keep their immune system strong, keep their sugar down, keep get rest. You know all the stuff that you know. Yeah. And. And none of them have been sick, and we've been exposed to thousands and thousands of people. We had a couple people go out last week with a fever, and we we're like, "Oh boy, here it is! Uh-huh. We're finally ha- going to have a COVID case." Both of them were tested, and they were negative. So yeah. you know, well, there's also it, it, the real issue of the nocebo. You know, the placebo effect in reverse is called the nocebo effect. What's that? Well, statistically. You know, the placebo effect ranges from 38 to 64% effective, sometimes as high as 72% based on extensive studies. So wow. you, know, you know what the placebo is, right? Yeah. Well, the nocebo yeah. is if you tell somebody that they're going to get sick, they have equally the same statistical likelihood of getting sick. So if you're making billions and billions of dollars off of medicines and drugs and all this other shit, and you can convince everybody that they're in a pandemic and that this virus is everywhere the research suggests that psychologically they'll produce the symptoms and contract the illness just by the pure suggestion of it wow i mean i i there was when two went out sick the next week the next day three more went out of course and all of them came back negative one girl came back and said oh it was my period of allergies and 
I didn't really have a fever, but I thought I did. So I think it's exactly what you're saying, you know. Um, and now we have to pay them emergency sick leave <laughs> because they've got to stay out for 72 hours and get the test and all this. And within a few days, they all felt fine. And then they all now 10 days later, some of them got their results negative and we have to pay them sick leave the whole time. I oh. mean, it's not their fault, No, it's but just, it puts a lot of strain on a small business and yeah, it's just a shit show. It is. It really is. Uh, by the way, just for you, for your own personal knowledge and for the listeners, the go-to place for top-notch, really well-looked-into information on all this stuff and much more is greenmedinfo.com. Okay. Greenmedinfo. It's loaded with experts on this topic, and it unveils the whole shit show and uh many very top scientists letting the cat out of the bag doctors telling the truth how the american medical association has put mandates that they're supposed to put covid on the death certificate of everybody that dies even if they can remotely suspect it and very very unethical practices that are just unbelievable and this is coming right from the government right down to the bottom and it's it's uh it's a it's a pretty sick situation we're facing. So um, what are we going to do when they mandate we all have a COVID vaccine? It's like they're making kid get, kids get vaccines. Well, now. what do you do as a parent there? What you do I, is you, you know, I tell people we all have to become a warrior at some point in our lives. And the only way you can be effective as a warrior is determine what your values are and what you're willing to fight for and what you're not willing to fight for. And, we're at a point now, in my opinion, where we either have to have a revolution from the inside out where we say that's enough, enough government lies, enough manipulation, enough bullshit. And, you know, look what happened in Italy. They had so many people dying from vaccinations and all sorts of problems in the government. Over a million people stormed the parliament buildings and they literally kicked the government out and voted a new government in. Wow. And, you know, Really, the people that are playing this game are just a handful of people controlling the whole thing. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, what is there, 379 million people in the United States or something like that? We just have to stand up for ourselves and say, that's not, that's enough. You, you can't tell me what I can do with my own body. You can't tell me what I can do with my children. And you're infringing upon my constitutional rights as a human being and as a citizen of the United States. And, you know, look at all the manipulation of, people taking information down. We are losing our freedom of speech. We're losing everything. And, and at some point people have to decide, am I going to live in an invisible jail or am I going to stand up for what I believe in? And I tell people, look, Mahatma Gandhi took India back from the British government who was very, very violent and very dangerous. And he did it with nonviolence. He was able to lead his country to a nonviolent takeover of their own country and literally ousted the British whole empire. If Gandhi can take his country back nonviolently, we can take ours back nonviolently, but we just got to get clear on what our values are and what our, what our children's, what's how important our children are and what our future is, or we're, we're going to end up in a situation where there's nobody here, but sick, lost, confused people that are spending every penny they make to pay insurance bills, doctor's bills, and uh, continue to uh, make a very few yeah. people even richer, which just makes the whole thing even worse and worse and worse. 
Yeah, I'm reading a whole series on Julius Caesar and Rome and the whole, and, and it happened, you know, whoever had the numbers <laughs> took, took over the Senate and took over the government. So it's super fascinating. Yeah, but you're right. We we do have the power as the people. Um, and right now, it's so easy just with what you're spending your money on. Yes, it is. That's a great point. Just That's our biggest vote. The, these, the bigger the corporation, the bigger the appetite, and the more sensitive they are to starvation. And- you know, I, like I used to, you know, we come from Southern California where there's water shortages. It used to be, we've had a lot of water lately, but you know, I tell people, look, there's a lot of people, there's over 2 billion people in the world that don't have fresh water. If every one of us flush the toilet one less time a day, if 6 billion people flush the toilet one less time a day, that's three to five gallons of flush. Do you realize that would be enough water by not flushing the toilet once to give everyone that needs water, water by just doing something that simple, you know? So really I tell people, it's not like it has to take some big arduous effort. Just do something that's moving in the right direction and make a contribution and do something that fits your values that you love. If you love to share information by the internet, share websites that tell the truth, if educate, Sing songs, write songs that tell the truth, paint pictures, do whatever it is that you love to do that contributes to the awakening of our sleepy population that's losing its freedoms and its health and its vitality. And if we all do a little bit every day of what we love to do, like you, you have a whole chain of restaurants that's part of the solution. I have an education system. And interestingly enough, we've had booming sales through the whole COVID thing. Uh, and, and so of several of my other friends that own education business, businesses on health and supplement businesses, their sales are going through the roof. We it's had a good our time. Yeah. We had our third largest month of sales in the history of the Institute in the first month of the COVID. I think we had 200 and something people sign up for my holistic lifestyle coach level one online, which is unprecedented because people are realizing I've got to start taking care of myself. Yeah, good for them. It's exactly the right. That's exactly the right path. Exactly, that's the only um, way out. Education is mm-hmm. the only way you can learn how to live. There's no other way around it. It's, no other way. Yeah. No. Doctors aren't going to teach you. The drug companies aren't going to teach you. And the funny thing about this is, the word doctor actually means teacher. Isn't that huh. paradoxical? If you study the roots of the yeah. word doctor, I believe in Latin, it means teacher. And so we have an education system that doesn't teach a, a doctor, a medical system that doesn't teach us anything except how to be <laughs> sick. Um, what are some of your favorite resources for sound, reliable health information, food products, or otherwise that you'd like to share with the listeners? You know, I, I do go to Dr. Mercola's site. I uh-huh. feel like he's pretty well-researched. Um, so I go there a lot. I go to Weston A. Price when I kind of want to see about traditional foods and Good. maybe how, how they've how they're supposed to be prepared, those yeah. kind of things. Um, and then just podcasting health podcasts and listening and reading and everything. Like I've, I've mentioned Michael Pollan and mm-hmm. honestly, Paul, you and Sean and Krista and, um, and the last five years, I got to be honest, has been head down in the restaurant. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was a, a big chunk of my life that was really learning every day. Um, mm-hmm. and now it's been a lot of doing this last five years. Well, thank we just you. have the Encinitas location right now. Thank God. So just one restaurant and just our products. And yeah, and once that's you, it. once you learn the foundation principles, 
you don't really need to know more than that unless you're going to be a scientist or a, a some yeah. kind of specialist. But we're really yeah, suffering from a lack of basics. It's it's not like this is hard. Eat real food <laughs> from real yeah. soil. Drink clean water. Go to bed yeah. when you're tired. Move your body and have a dream bigger than your <laughs> crisis so you have a reason to get your ass off your couch. Really, I summarized, yeah. you know, my teachings right there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I you know, and I even got a little bored with it after a while because for ten years it was nonstop every day. Yeah, you know, while I was working out, it was I was always listening to a podcast, always reading a book, and now everyone's like, "Oh, have you seen this movie? Have you seen this movie?" And I was like, "You know what? No, I'm I'm good. It's not like I'm done educating myself, but I also." You know, a lot of those documentaries are just a bunch of nonsense funded yes. by like yeah. vegan groups and yeah. you got to really look at that. And, and like I said, I feel like you said, the fundamentals are there. Um, and we're, we're busy now running the restaurant and trying to create products and I'm looking all over the world for fruit powder so I can make another one, uh, besides lemon that, and I want a fruit powder that doesn't have silicone dioxide in it. And that's like impossible to find, you know? So yeah. it's silly things like that, you know, cause there's hidden, hidden ingredients within powders. And yes. Yeah. Are you familiar with the pawpaw fruit? No pawpaw fruit. You should look into that. Pawpaw has very high protein levels. It's actually, uh, probably getting close to meat and it's super tasty, super good. Um, a buddy of mine grows it. Uh, I've got an interview with him, Michael Judd. He's a, um, a, uh, her, uh, permaculture expert. So if you look through Whoa. my podcast for Michael Judd, he, he talks all about the pawpaw and even gives a place that, uh, sells it. They sell it frozen but it might be an excellent ingredient for you to look for if you can find a supplier of it, if you can find an organic source of pawpaw because it really has very high protein levels. And the reason I'm, I research stuff like that is because a lot of vegans and vegetarians are suffering from lack of protein and the pawpaw is a fruit that actually has almost meat levels of protein in it. Well, I, you know, I struggle to eat as much meat as I probably should, you know. I just don't actually kind of gravitate towards it and like it. So that sounds like something that I would love as well. Yeah. Where can people find out more about good Anya and any of the other resources or products such as your hydrate drink that you'd like to share? Yeah. Everything's on our site. Good on And it's just, it's for those of you listening, it's just good on you all together. Good on you. Organic.com. Yeah. Oh, it's good on you. Organic. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did. I Some, didn't really. Good on your organic.com. Some guy has good on you.com and for like 20 years won't sell it to me. I'm like, he's not even using it. I'm like, come on, guy. Yeah. So we're organic. Good on your organic.com. Okay, good. Uh, that's funny because I just typed in good on you.com and maybe Google knew what I was looking for. It took me right to your site. Yeah, there's another good on you, a skincare cream company in Florida. Okay. Uh, sometimes people get us confused with those guys. They're a small little company out there. Um, and they do sort of healthy, healthy skincare, not, not at our level that we would do, but, um, (laughs) pretty, pretty good, I guess. Well, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. It's, it's been an interesting journey and it's fun to hear about your career as an Olympic athlete and all the things you learned the hard way, but those are the lessons that really stick with us, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. I mean, I have literally a Coca-Cola tattoo on my ankle. It's permanent, you know, so yeah. without, without that journey, there'd be no good on you. And 
what we're doing now. So I'm grateful for that time. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful I got plugged into the natural community of Encinitas so I could heal my body and, and then just sort of give back as much as I can now with, with what we're doing. Well, you know, it makes me feel good. Napoleon Hill said a long time ago, are you familiar with the book Think and Grow Rich? No. Oh, it's a classic, um, long story, but it's Napoleon Hill is, you know, sold umpteen millions of books called Think and Grow Rich. But he said something in there that's really true. He said, behind every cloud of gray is a silver lining. You just got to look for it. And I think, I think with everything we're talking about, you know, you know, as well as I do, people have to be ready to learn. They have to be ready Mm -hmm. to take responsibility for themselves. They have to be ready to do the work to be healthy and to create something out of themselves. And I think one of the things that's coming from all this, we're realizing that the whole planet really needs our help, that we can't just keep trashing it. We we're learning that we can't trust scientists. We can't trust doctors. We can't trust governments. We can't trust lawyers. We can't trust bankers, which means we really have to look at ourselves as Lao Tzu said in the Tao Te Ching, the government always reflects the people. So does the medical establishment. So we're at a time now where we all have to say, look, we all need each other. The world needs our help now. She's sick. And so I think all of this is really bringing us to, it's opening the door for a human realization that we've got to get more honest with each other. We've got to get uh, corporate interests out of the government. We've got to get religious interests out of the government. We've got to bring the government back to a governing body that's for the people, by the people, and we, we need a revolution and it's going to take people that care enough to get involved or the gray stays gray and there's no silver lining. But I think that, as I said, if, if you do what you love to do, which is the things you're doing and I do what I love to do, such as sharing people like you and running a health institution, and we all just become aware of what we can do that fits our personality and our lifestyle to contribute, then we'll all start moving in the right direction. I don't, I don't think it'll take us that long. If we keep doing what we're doing and playing dead and watching TV and uh, being good little mice in a lab cage, the, the future doesn't look very good, not only for us, but for the planet. Yeah. My favorite quote is uh, the answer to any question you have, you'll find in nature. Yeah. Um, that was in the power of one of the Bryce Courtney book and movie. Um, and it's just, it's a lot more simple than, than it seems, you know, I think people, we intuitively know what's the right thing to do. Yes. Especially with food. Yeah. We know it. We really do. Um, so we just have to just make little changes, one product at a time, one little segment at a time, you know, go to the store with me. I'm going to be in the toothpaste aisle for two hours. But, you know, once I find my brand, then I'm good. And then move on to the next brand. So yeah, one step at a time and we can get there. I use David's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have you ever heard of David's toothpaste? No. Uh, it's no. quite good. It's got charcoal in it. and it's, 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 it's expensive. My wife always tells me how expensive it is. I don't know how much it is, but it cleans <laughs> my mouth really good. And okay, I'll look at that one. You know, if you find something wrong with it, tell me. But, it, you know, my <laughs> my inner sense is wow, this is really good stuff. So I've once someone gave me a tube or Penny bought a tube, I don't know, but I, I just fell in love with it because it really does a good job of cleaning my teeth and leaving my mouth feeling good. And it's very 
minimal ingredients. Got just charcoal and a few other things, and that's about it. David, maybe not the most clever name, but um, besides that, like people are like, "How'd you make up good on you?" I'm like, "Well, I spent a lot of time in Australia, you know, getting our butts kicked by their national team." But Chris's Cafe, I don't know, sounds a little boring. So I was always <laughs> trying to think of a name, something cool sounding. Yeah, good on <laughs> you, mate. Funny. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, lots of love. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for sharing. And uh, thank you for putting up all that shit you got to put up from people to run a good health food (laughs) restaurant. And uh, don't forget to take some time to play. You know, one of the problems we have in our culture is we forget to, to just play and do things that we don't have any attachment to the outcome, singing, dancing, reading books, watching a good movie. You know, yeah, you can you know, I went through a midlife crisis when I was 50 because I just put so much effort into trying to help people that I just burned myself out. And I realized, you know, you can't save the world. You can just do your best to share your love. And if you do more than that, you become part of the problem. So it's it's easy when you're someone who's really trying to do something good for people and, uh, you know, you're running multiple businesses. You can find yourself being a person promoting health that's burned out. And I've been there. So my, yeah. my gift to you is a reminder to play a little bit. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for all you do. It was good talking to you. Thank you. You too. And I'll look forward. Maybe I'll get lucky and run into your, your restaurant when I'm there next all time. All right. I'll get some dark meat in there and load up the avocados. Yeah. You, you know, it, I, it was just for me because my choices are so limited and, and I typically need a fair bit of like uh dark bird meat or, or salmon or something with fat in it, or I just walk around starving. So, but <laughs> either way of all the places in Encinitas, I, I, you're one of the only places that I'll go to. And I know that I can eat some extra avocado and order some chicken sausage. And I walk out of there feeling like I've ate real food and, and I, I feel good. So thank you for that. Thanks Paul. All right. All lots, right. Lots, well, lots of love and look forward to seeing you along the way. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Chris Buchanan. You can find Chris online at goodonyaorganic.com. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram at goodonyaorganic. And if you're in San Diego, California, make sure to take time to eat at her restaurant located in Encinitas on Historic Route 101, half a block to the beach. Chris is giving Paul's listeners a 15% discount off her fabulous hydrate electrolyte and mineral powder. Go to goodonyaorganic.com forward slash hydrate and use the promo code goodonyapaul. That's G-O-O-D-O-N-Y-A-P-A-U-L. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at living4dpodcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4 d with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and at the Czech Institute's new streaming media site, chikiva.com. Music